0: Brent Martineau.
1: You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks
0: Austin Lane.
1: He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting
2: live from the Anna and Levine studio.
0: This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com.
3: Oh, you think the Oakland Raiders would have won that game with Antonio Brown on the roster?
4: <laughs> Maybe. I'm not hating because I had Tyrell Williams in fantasy, so I, I kept seeing more, that. more power to him.
3: I mean, listen, if you win by one or a thousand in fantasy, it doesn't matter. I think you won by like 200 and something points. Uh, it was like one, I think I, it was
4: 176 to not that, basically, let's yeah. just say. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think the scoreboard really matters, Brent, but I made a statement. I, let's just say that <laughs> yes, much. She did. I made I, a statement to everybody, I, and everybody's on notice now. I had a good matchup going.
3: Yeah. This is how I thought I'd start the show on a Tuesday uh, at Action Sports Jackson, ESPN 690, my fantasy football team. Because I talk so much fantasy football. so invested, yeah. But uh, we should just do the whole show. Let's just get everybody's fantasy football reaction. Overreaction, not enough reaction. Trade Mm -hmm. everybody away. Your teams stink. Let's do it all uh, on fantasy football front. But I had a good matchup. I'm down like 47 points going into the night. But I have Hopkins and Michael Thomas. Yep. And all of a sudden, I'm down 15 points with five minutes to go in the third quarter. And I got Hopkins and Thomas. <laughs> and so now they miss the extra point. And I'm like, yes, we're going overtime. I might win this thing. Yep. I lost by three points. Sorry to hear that, Three man. point, four points. But uh, I was in on it. That was the first time I was, like, excited about fantasy football. And I, I, yep. it has to be a decade. Yep. So uh, there we go. Glad to hear it. Thanks for getting Welcome me involved. Aboard. Well it was more than no, lose idea. a lot of interest
4: in, thanks in a making, hurry. Thanks for making me the the whole league owner of this thing. I really appreciate being the commissioner. Yeah.
3: Well, I had to give you some credit because you screwed <laughs> up the draft and everything else. So That I did. <laughs> <laughs> Brett Morton Austin Lane Kuz here on a Tuesday. All right. How we doing? We uh doom and gloom? We 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 okay about the Jags? Uh, have we moved on? Did Houston's 0 and one? The Colts are 0 and one? The Jags are 0-1, Tennessee's Tennessee, but they're 1-0. That's fine. Somebody's got to win a game. Uh, Hey, the Jags didn't lose any ground. Think about it this way. You want more sunshine and rainbows to start the day? (laughs) Jags didn't lose much ground in the AFC South. No. And they played their hardest opponent of 2019. Sunshine and rainbows. Accurate?
4: Very accurate. Let me ask you a question, Brent. And you said, how am I doing today? How am I feeling? Um, Watching that Texans offensive line, I'm confident and the Jaguars defensive line doing very well, feasting, if you will. Um, I do think Texans have a lot of good receivers. I talked about Kenny Stills. Kenny Stills showed up last night, had a major touchdown to set him up for the game-winner. Unfortunately, uh, the Texans chose to go prevent defense. And I get it, uh, hindsight's 2020. Drew Brees kind of drives down the field. They kick a game-winning field goal. Saints win. But um, my question to you is, should I be losing sleep over a backup quarterback right now or not? Like, should I, should I really be questioning why you would spend a fifth-round pick on Joshua Dobbs, or should I just let it go? That That's my question let it to go. you. Okay, but well, he, here's my whole philosophy, Brent. And, and I brought up the fifth-round pick yesterday, right? I am saying so you, you can't waste the fifth-round pick on a guy like that. And you said the team's all in, right? The, the team's all in for winning this season. They're not worried
3: about next year. Yeah, I, I don't enough. think you can worry about that if you're yeah. those guys.
4: So my question to you is, if you're all in right now, you're not worried about what the outside thinks, you're not worried about next season, and I, I get it. I'm probably going to get some scrutiny here, but why wouldn't you at least give Kaepernick a tryout to see where he's at on the field if you're if you're not worried about what the public perception is, if you're not worried about next year?
3: Well, uh, I think two things. One, I think they slammed that door shut a couple years ago when it got brought up. Now, Chad mm-hmm. Khan said pretty much, I, I don't know if he, he didn't go out of his way to endorse. He just did not say, ah, I wouldn't be for it at all. He said, uh, if he's I don't even want to put words in his mouth. I, I yeah. remember the final thing was absolutely when asked, and now I can't remember how the question was phrased to him. But the bottom line is he didn't rule it out as the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, but he's also uh very adamant that he didn't make the football decisions, the day-to-day decisions. Mm-hmm. He, he leaves that. He's not Jerry Jones in that regard. And um, Tom Coughlin, I remember right around that same time, so dismissed it right away. Mm-hmm. Right away. I mean, yeah. just very dismissive of the idea of Kaepernick. Now, that was years ago. I think the whole Kaepernick thing is, at the very least right now, cooled down, right? I mean, it was, it's not 2017 temperature of the whole Kaepernick, Kaepernick mm-hmm. thing, although the Kaepernick thing has remained in the spotlight to a degree. It hasn't impacted people watching games, people going games. It's, it's not like that, like it was in 2017, uh, at, at least that we know of. But I think so it's not necessarily about as much the distraction. Oh, there's certainly... I think people inside that building would, would say, wait a minute. We just had a, a captain for a second straight year ejected of, out of a game. Mm-hmm. We had an immature locker room last year. Can we handle something else? Can we handle an Antonio Brown? Can we handle a Kaepernick situation? Can we you know you have to ask yourself, can you handle those things? And then I do think it is the fact. You know, the one thing we always forget about with Kaepernick is one, how good is he to begin with? And two, how good will he be when he hasn't played football in three years? And do you want to take that on? You know? So That's why, to me, Kaepernick, from a football-only standpoint, and Mm -hmm. I'm a guy that came on the show last week and said, wait a minute, we're in a world where Antonio Brown gets chance after chance after chance after chance, and I understand he's more talented than Kaepernick, but he gets chance after chance after chance after chance, and a guy like Kaepernick now has been pretty much out of the league for three years and not given chances that we know of. So I I don't like that part of it, but I think from a football-only standpoint, I would question how much I'm going to get out of Kaepernick for the return of putting him on my roster when a guy hasn't played for three years. And, and especially given the situation that it's September 10th, you know, yeah. it's not like it's March something or May something or even late July, early August, where you can get a guy up to speed and see what he's like and then make your cuts and, and, and your assumptions and, and calculations after that. So I, that's why I think the Kaepernick thing really doesn't make sense midstream. For a lot and of football
4: teams. Listen, and I'm not saying it's got, it has to be Kaepernick. I'm just saying a vet that you can bring in and at least work out. Well, you I saw mean, the if, list
3: of veterans, man. I mean, you want Tom Savage? If, I mean, do you, if, you want Mark Osweiler? If you're going to cut him a couple of
4: because here's my question. So you're going to – assuming Foles is coming back, right? I mean, I, I missed the, the M.O. where That's, Foles
3: is, is out coming, the season. No, he's coming back. I mean, Doug Marone so says do they expect gonna, him back. So
4: then what do you do with your new backup quarterback that you paid a fifth-round pick for once Foles comes back? You, did you just chalk them up and say, "Hey, man, thanks for thanks for the time, and we'll see you later"? Here's the fifth round. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just too that, far into the fifth d- round pick, Brent. Well, I that's
3: an interesting point too. Is what do they do? I mean, what have they cornered themselves? Do they all of a sudden keep three quarterbacks, which I think they could do? I mean, I from an guess, investment yeah. standpoint, you almost have to. But
4: I'm just saying, you got a guy in Josh Dobbs, and listen, I don't know the connection to but I don't know if they have any connection whatsoever. They don't. I mean, I look at his stats, and I haven't watched a lot of Joshua Dobbs, right? I really haven't. But I look at his preseason stats, not that good. I think Magoo had – at least Magoo's, you know, leading touchdown drives. not saying they should have got Magoo back, but it begs the question. I'm just – I don't know. I'm sorry that I'm caught up right now on a backup quarterback. I'm sure, hopefully, if everything goes according to plan, we don't have to talk about him at all for the time that Nick Foles is out right well, now. We're
3: hoping not to talk about Mitchu for the rest know, of the and, season. I know, and here we and are, that, right? Ten minutes in, we're talking <laughs> about him. And here we are. Listen, I think your point – I I do think we have spent more time talking about a backup quarterback in the last six weeks, yeah, and we will continue to do that now because of Mm Mitch and the situation, than I can remember spending talking about backup quarterbacks in Jacksonville in quite some time. Even given their horrendous, at times, quarterback situation, I don't think we talked about backup quarterbacks (laughs) this much, but... Uh, part of that is Nick Foles was a backup so many times. So part of the storyline is, is what he was and now is or, or was supposed to be for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I don't think it's unfair to wonder that. I do think you have a little bit of a an unhealthy man crush on, uh, Magoo. And just because of the shirt deal that you tried to work out. And so I think well, you got to be a little cautious of getting business I mean, in the way of reality.
4: You, you go ahead and quote, I have a healthy, unhealthy man crush on Alex Magoo because I saw him lead touchdown drives.
3: Can Dobbs say the same thing this preseason uh, uh, against twos and threes? I, honestly, I don't. Haven't watched a ton of Joshua Dobbs. Uh, oh. I really haven't. I'm uh, just
4: saying. I mean, hey. The, the I don't care how Magoo
3: did it. If he did it with his legs or if he did it with his arm, he led touchdown drop Yeah. That, I liked, that's all I care about. I liked man. Magoo. I, I liked what he had to offer. I was surprised they didn't keep him, even if it did cost that extra money on the practice squad. And, uh, there was some talk today, I think out of, uh, uh some of the Jags, uh, shows that they do on jaguars.com that the Jags were interested in going back out and getting Magoo. Mm-hmm. I think I read, I heard that kind of secondhand. So I didn't hear it or see it or whatever, um, on, on wherever it was. But I, I don't know. So I just think we're going a little crazy on Magoo, uh, where is Dobbs here's the difference with Dobbs. You invest the fifth round pick, but you don't have to spend money like how much would Osweiler cost versus Dobbs? Probably a lot like a, I mean half a million more or a few hundred thousand dollars more, which seems like peanuts to me in the end of up. It. Maybe yeah. it's more of an expensive guy that you already know what you're getting. Maybe there's a little hope with Dobbs. I don't know what they're thinking. I haven't talked to a lot of folks down there on the Dobbs front. Um and- and I'm just from the philosophy that
4: if you're going to spend the money, um, then spend the money, but don't waste the draft picks. But th- that's just me. And I get yeah. it. There are folks about this year, but I think, you know, even a fifth-round draft pick can be super vital and super important. Well, but that's just and, how
3: I feel. But here's the thing. Oh, let me let me take them to your – I'm trying to think like they would think. Mm-hmm. And if Minshew, who got, by the way, popped against Baltimore, right, Yeah. and isn't afraid to move around that pocket and run a little bit, so if he gets dinged up – this is a guy in Dobbs that, I said it yesterday, he knows how to at least be a backup for the first couple of years of his career. He's a very intelligent kid. I think it's like, uh, I say kid, young yeah, man. Yeah, well, he, he, like he's
4: like a rocket science yeah, major yeah. in Tennessee. No, aeronautic I engineering or yeah, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> I don't
3: know what the heck it is. I don't know what it's even called. But So he's very smart. Yeah. So are they saying, listen, yes, our jobs are on the line. We understand that. We know what's going on here. And if Minshew, we cannot get caught with our pants down here and say mm. if if Minshew goes out this week against houston or give it 2 weeks or it's a tennessee game or on a short week or whatever it might be we really don't want to ride with a guy like magoo who's never really played at that level and hasn't been around as long as as dobbs and maybe maybe they thought wasn't picking up the offense as well as he could have you know maybe there's something like that we have no idea no but yeah we're dobbs not is meetings. probably going to be a guy that can pick up the offense pretty quick, and at least you could be comfortable with him running your system maybe three weeks, four weeks down the road. I, I, uh, I'm, I listen. I'm 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 kind of making stuff up. I'm trying to make you feel a little bit better. Uh, I want you to listen, sleep a little
4: bit more. I don't like being all fed up. Or, I mean, all worked up over a backup quarterback, Brent. I can't stand it. Yeah, I, the, this, is, re- this isn't me. You 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 lose sleep
3: over it. I've hardly thought about it.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I, draft
3: picks, man. I mean. Listen, that's, that's where you build your team is in the draft, Brent. I know, but they have an extra fifth. They're not giving away the farm. Yeah. Ah uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah. seriously. Now, now I'm sort of turn Brent. Now, Brent's going to start losing sleep about it, too. I'm not losing sleep about <laughs> Joshua Knox. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to because you know why? Mitch is the man. He Mitch is, the man. is my man now. You know what I'm thinking about doing? Coush, you're going to jump on board. Everybody grow a mustache. We're wearing bandanas in here. I would have On Friday, Coons uh, can't grow mustache, though. You're
5: least, asking too much so, of the hey,
3: how how case. How about bandanas on Friday for a little Minshew magic in that's Houston? Cool. I'm done with that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about Minshew coming up next. All right. It. We're
4: going to talk about the starting quarterback. Here's a real question. On Friday, kind I wear jean shorts and a tank top? I feel like Absolutely. that's right up Minshew's alley.
3: Maybe we should do it. Let's do it. All oh, right. I mean, I'm not saying for you, but if you want to wear it, by all means. Bro. I'm going to have to go for- borrow jorts from a Gator <laughs> fan. <fame. laughs> it's all coming up on ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN six ninety. It will be a tired show for Austin Lane. He's just not getting any sleep over giving up that fifth round pick. Hey, you know what? Who knows if you will even be here, pick, okay. I, I understand. Was the fifth really a fifth round pick. Is there something? If this was a sixth round pick or a fourth round know, pick, would you man. feel better? It might be that. It might
4: be Talvin Smith was a fifth round pick, and look what they got out of him. I don't know. I, I just feel like I have a bond with all
3: the fifth round picks out there. Maybe that's true. Yeah. Who was this year's fifth round pick? Mitsui Williams was third. We didn't have a fourth in Jacksonville. Uh, Armstead was a third. Armstead. Armstead. W- was he the fifth round? Yeah, Armstead was fifth. Okay, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Backup running back, man. Yeah,
4: one of my favorite backup running backs in the NFL right now, Brent. <laughs> Just because he's <laughs> the fifth round. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> didn't didn't add him on fantasy quite yet, but uh we'll see. <laughs> uh, by the way, gosh, it's 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 astonishing how s- slim or uh thin they are. Yeah, behind Leonard Fournette, really, because who knows what they're going to get out of Armstead? I mean, I I like the guy too. I mean, but I mean, it's a blind faith yeah. in this kid, and it's just uh, if if anything does happen to Leonard, which has happened to Leonard in the first couple of years, they really don't have much. Well, and now, now listen, we said we said you can't lose Foles or Fournette. Mm-hmm. They sure as hell can't lose both of them.
4: Yeah, and I'm not sure we had the over under for the Chiefs game at 30. I'm not sure how that actually panned out. With Leonard Fournette. No,
3: no, it was under. It was 13 uh, uh, carries, okay, which was 5.1 a clip, by the way, which is a very good start. Very good. The reason they couldn't keep well, feeding him is because they a... were chasing. Exactly. And and some people brought that up, and that was a good point, and mm-hmm. th- they won the day on that. Uh, Jaguars really threw the ball quite a bit, and I think he ended up with uh, four receptions for 28 yards, so 17 yeah. touches. He was on the pace. No, absolutely. You know, was but, just but he didn't get it. Flow of the game. Yeah. And, and so I think, I think that's the case, though, right? I think it's going to be... You know, uh, somewhere I actually I was talking to Ty today about it, and he's like, he, he just he doesn't think they should pound him for twenty eight times, you know, in a game or whatever. But yeah. so he's, I said, I think he'll get on average. It'll be somewhere if you can draw up an ideal scenario, be between eighteen and twenty two carries, and somewhere between four and six receptions. So you're looking at a minimum of twenty two touches mm-hmm. and a maximum of twenty eight touches. I'm talking Mm. ideal. So somewhere between 22 and 28 is somewhere they'd like to live. Uh, And can they do that, the flow of the game, where they are in the game? You know, he might run the ball more if they're up because then they want to grind it out a little bit more. Um, If they have to chase mode, then they're going to throw it a little bit more. I could see games where he gets well, seven, eight, nine catches, too, out of the backfield. I back
4: think field. with Foles going down now, I think that you know Leonard Fournette's got to even carry the load even more now. Oh, you know, absolutely. I mean, they're going to depend on him even more than they were planning on depending on him, which we thought, according to the Chiefs game, was a lot, you know, in the, in the run game and in the pass game. So now when you have this rookie Gardner Minshew come in, um, you know, teams start to game plan and everything, I'm sure they're going to stack the box, but at the same time, Leonard Fournette's got to be the man now.
3: And that's a fascinating thing to think about, right? Gardner Minshew does well. Uh, and credit to De Filippo. He said, you know what? We're not going to go out here and protect this kid and just say, we'll hand off to Leonard. We'll throw screen plays. He ran the offense. Now, mm-hmm. they probably ran an abridged version of the offense. But bottom line is, he threw it 25 times. They weren't in that much of chase mode. There were times in the game. But when Minshew comes into the game, they're down 10 points. And they were down 10 points at halftime. And they were down 10 points early in the third quarter. And they were running that offense to kind of stay you know, within striking distance. But I didn't really get the feel like they were overprotecting him. Mm-hmm. What will they do now? Because you know Houston will load the box. They have to shut down Fournette, and you have to say, "All right, Minch, you do it again." You might have just played the best game you'll ever play. Like that would be my mentality if I was Houston. Say, "All right, do it again. Twenty-two or twenty-five, or go yeah. hit a third and eleven play, and and see if we don't pick it off, or you don't get it deflected, or I mean, if I'm Houston, that's what I'm saying to myself." What do you think they will come out in? I mean, how, how much will they load the line of scrimmage? Keep in mind, we're in a place in Jacksonville where they've had offenses where we've seen goal line defenses at midfield against a guy like Blake Bortles before. <laughs> yeah. Maurice Jones drew, I feel like he saw 15 guys in a box I for know. an entire season. Yeah. Blaine Gabbert couldn't throw it outside of an eight yard box because he either didn't have enough time or wouldn't stay in there long enough. Mm-hmm. So how do they do this? Will they continue to run their offense? and utilize players that made plays conley dj yeah. Chark, get more involved dd westbrook's their best playmaker outside of leonard fournette and not just be so predictable and say hey we're throwing leonard at you and kill leonard in the while you're doing
4: it so as you're analyzing this jaguars offense right now yeah they're gonna have to rely on leonard fournette a lot and if i'm a defense i probably do stack the box at least to start things off and make uh you know basically make a six-round pick and gardner Minshew a rookie beat you uh so that's what I would do, but you have to keep in mind with John D. John John D. Filippo's offense now with the wide receivers, they they don't have that solid caliber like stud like one receiver Absolutely right like no. they, they, they don't have the Julio it's Jones by they don't have the Adam Thielen whatever but they what they do have I think is three pretty damn good wide receivers at least what we saw against the Kansas City Chiefs now how much of that is a bad Chiefs defense we'll see but I think that you can do a lot of things in the fact that. You know, if, if, if you're a defense, you're game planning right now, what receiver are you going to key on the most? You know, I mean, I guess you would say D.D. Westbrook, because that's kind of been the hype all, se- uh, all the preseason was D.D. Westbrook's going to be the guy. D.D. Westbrook's going to be the guy. Well, here comes D.J. Chark out of nowhere, and I thought had, you know, probably the best receiving performance out of anybody that game. And then you have Chris Conley as well, who had a pretty good receiving performance. So That's one of his career. Exactly. So if you're... If you're the Texans' defense, for instance, right now, and you're trying to game plan, yeah, you're going to stack the box a little bit. You're going to have a pissed-off J.J. Watt, who had a horrible game. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest. I don't say Didn't that. even know he was out there. And I'm not going to say that, that word lightly. I mean, I'll be honest. Didn't have a tackle. Didn't have a QB hit. Didn't have a pressure, I don't think. He didn't have a good game. So I think you're going to have a, a ticked-off J.J. Watt coming up now. So you do have to th- th- still throw the ball a little bit. You can't be afraid of him. You have to have faith in your offensive line. And I think if you just throw those short to intermediate passes to your receivers that you have, you're going to be okay. But to keep in mind this too, Brent. The preseason, you know, we talked about Gardner Minshew a lot and it was a roller coaster, right? Baltimore. Horrible game. I mean, welcome to the NFL rookie. Uh, he comes back home, Philadelphia. Pretty good game. You know, he showed a lot of progress. Um, Then they go to Miami and I thought he regressed a little bit after that, right? He he's made some more mistakes and everything and then he comes back again and shows an okay performance against the Falcons. But what do I take away from those preseason games? On the road, didn't do so well. At home, did a lot better. Ah, very good. Well, now you're going to I didn't Houston. Even think about that. Yeah, well, now you're going to Houston, where which can be a pretty loud place to play, and you're coming off of a ticked-off Houston team.
3: He's going to have to bring it. Oh, it's going to be tough. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. It's going to be tough. Uh, one thought, too, and, and I feel like Ty produces our show sometimes <laughs> because he asked me this question. He said, so who's their number one wide receiver? Hmm. And I said, my answer to him was, well, who didn't? Who did not really have a bunch of touches or catches on Sunday Mm -hmm. of the big three? Well, the answer is D.D. Westbrook. I said you know why? Because they showed him the most most attention. True, they are most defenses are going to be most worried about D. Westbrook, and so they are going to shade his way. I don't know if they're going to like double team him. I'm not sure they have that much respect for D. Westbrook. Yeah. I'm just saying if you're going to show focus to anybody on their receiving core, and maybe these guys open their eyes. But I think people are still going to say, "All right, D. J. Chark, do it again. Mm-hmm. All right, Chris Conley, have you you." You had seven touchdowns in your career. Mm-hmm. Can you do it again? I mean, I think that's what defenses will do. D.D. Westbrook, I think people view as this guy could be dangerous now. He can catch an eight-yard slant play and go. Mm-hmm. And uh, he can make plays, and he's physical. So I my feeling is that's who they're trying to focus on, even though they really don't have a true number one, and it's by committee. I think defenses still will focus on number 12.
4: And, listen, this kind of reminds me of the Blake Bortles scenario where teams used to stack the box in Blake Bortles, right? but i think the difference between i guess it was hackett's offense back then compared to john D. filippo's offense now is the fact that you know when they're stacking the box against blake bortles you kind of knew a run was coming or a pass was coming right because usually they had like either like a tight end i mean like the, the, the formations dictated that oh they're definitely going to run the ball or no they're split out wide now they're going to pass the ball i think with what you can do and the way the trend is going on in the nfl you see the rams do it uh you, you saw the saints do it a little bit last night is If I'm John DeFilippo, I'm actually looking at, can I go bunch a little bit? You know, can I not rely on those tight formations, maybe two tight ends and things like that? Don't give away you're going to run the ball. Maybe go with a bunch formation because you have the receivers to do it. You have a great blocking receiver in Marquise Lee. Uh, Go out from the bunch and then run the ball a little bit Because that's going to spread the defense out The last thing you want to do is you know have everybody in a box Thinking the run's coming the whole time So I think if you can go the bunch formation a little more Spread everybody out That's going to leave holes open for Fournette And hopefully you can capitalize on
3: those Or there's a play in the Oakland game yesterday With Tyrell Williams as yeah. out himself They have everything bunched up that looks like a run They burn a little yep. play action And he just beats his man for yeah. a post and, and down the middle of the field 25-yard game well, yeah. they, they can show that if they're able to call that And the one thing is you have to trust your offensive line to do that
4: no, Exactly Exactly. We're talking about the Raiders, man, who I thought had a great performance.
3: Give Gruden some credit. Give him a lot of credit. All all
4: things considered, I thought he called a great game. We'll talk about that. Well, yeah. And Von Miller, Nick Chubb, goose eggs.
3: I mean, there you go. Uh, Say no more.
4: I'm I'm sorry, not Nick Chubb. Yeah,
3: Bradley Chubb. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. A dead or bad performance. Horrible performance that's, performance. Yeah. Flacco and everybody else. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the line, then we're going to get to a break. We'll talk more about the uh, the rest of the NFL in just a bit and yeah. a lot of Jags, because that's what we do. Uh, South Beach, Gary, what's happening, man? Uh, well, we weren't sure if you'd call in until, like, next week, but then you're probably a little bit afraid of what you might see next week against the
1: Patriots. Well,
2: let's make the song of the day one by Three Dog Night. Uh Look, I knew there were going to be growing pains. Yes, it was a long day, but things can only get better after you know 59 points. That's the way I look at it. True. Hey, uh, I'm, Austin, a couple things. Austin, I one 100% agree with you. What I think of fifth round is when I think you know, Dolphins got somebody like Zach Thomas. Yeah, there you go. He was a good player. Yeah. Fifth round pick. There were a lot of them over the years. Tom Brady is sixth rounder. It goes on and on.
3: Well, maybe Joshua Dobbs is the next Tom Brady. <laughs> well, if you're down to your third quarterback, anyhow, your changes are, are pretty slim, anyhow, Brent. Yeah, one thing about, it, and that's what Austin said. Dobbs was a fourth round pick initially in mm-hmm. 2017, so I mean, he was viewed as, as in a decent way coming. I mean, we've seen fourth, Dak Prescott's fourth round pick. Huh? Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't know. I get what you're saying about giving up the 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 draft pick, but at the same time. We're talking about the quarterback position. You can't invest enough in the quarterback position.
2: Right. And the the Miles Jack situation, not the initial thing, but that he had to be restrained by the two coaches. I would sit him down, you're not playing next week. You look at guys, look at Doug Marone, how the lack of discipline, Austin. The incident over in London, the the stuff with – Fournette throwing the punch and then sitting by himself with T.J. Yelving, isolated from the other players, laughing and yucking it up, acting like he wasn't engaged at all with the team. And now this happens with Miles Jack. It- you know Doug Marone's initial reaction is? Well, I don't know what happened on the field originally that caused it. It's not the original thing. It said he had to be restrained and everything else. It's on top of Austin, everything else. The lack of discipline, the penalties, everything else. Why isn't Doug Marone being attacked more by the media? He's doing a terrible job of discipline with the team, and that has a lot to do with the players being out of position on plays. They should have started the. Like I said, the safeties were inexperienced. They should have played more in the preseason, get them some snaps, get them ready. They're they, they young and t- talented, but they're still inexperienced. Doug Marrone, I think, has done a terrible job with All that football team. Just an awful job.
3: All right, South Beach, Gary. Thanks for the call, man. Appreciate it. Uh, you know, interesting thought. We'll go to break. You know me. We've had this discussion. This was an off-season discussion. I think when people people go to Two things, probably more than two things, but they go to two things right away. And I hear that I heard this a bunch yesterday, and I didn't hear it as much today, but I heard a bunch yesterday. Fire coaches because of schemes and, and everything else, and discipline, discipline, discipline. There's they, they, there's two things to think about. This is a grown man sport. It is a a brutal sport. It's a violent sport. So discipline. There's a fine line. Secondly, I think it's the most over talked about thing. In football, in locker rooms, by fans. Yes, there is accountability. There's a certain, you can't do what Miles Jack did. I get it. But I've been here now through Gus Bradley where everybody said, discipline, 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 discipline. He doesn't do it. There's no accountability. He doesn't find anybody. He doesn't do this. He's a player's coach. Well, then when Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone got here, the sheriff's back in town. And hey, this is the way we run things. Bill Belichick style. This is Sabin kind of guys. The last two years, there's been no discipline. Yeah, might have been in 2017, but there hasn't been. So it's football. I don't put it all on the coaches in that respect. Yes, there's an element of it if you want to get inside the building. And we said it yesterday. Marone's all in this year on the players. He's almost turned himself into a players coach. This year, yeah. I don't know if people would view him that way last year or the year prior or in his coaching career. But this year, he's turned himself into a player's coach. Yes, And people will associate that with a lack of discipline. I think it's so overplayed, that part of it. Yes, you need it, but it's not a direct correlation. And sometimes it's not even a direct correlation, not only to the coach, but to winning and losing.
4: Let's talk about another player's coach, Brent. Let's talk about Andy Reid real quick. All right, one would say Andy Reid's a pretty good coach, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, think so. I think the Chiefs had a pretty good season last year. Very good. Well, what happened against the Jaguars last year when Kansas City played them? Chris Jones and D Ford got thrown out of the game.
3: Uh, Travis Kelsey Chris, did,
4: did two years ago. Chris Jones threw a punch, and I think D Ford got um, kicked out for taunting, if I'm not mistaken. So, two guys right there on your defense. Two. I mean, I don't I think I don't know if Chris Jones was the captain at the time. He should have been. But two leaders on your team get thrown out of the game. What does Andy Reid do? Is everybody saying, oh, Andy Reid, get rid of him now. Like, you, you've lost that locker room. Well, that locker room went to the AFC Championship game and was this close to being the New England Patriots to go to the Super Bowl. So that's just one example. Then you got like Anthony Miller, Josh Bellamy, Chicago Bears last year, get thrown out for fighting as well. The Bears had a pretty good run. Bears went to the playoffs. Now, granted, um, you know, thanks to the quote unquote double Doinker uh costing the playoffs uh you know against the Eagles. But they still had a pretty good season and no one was saying, Oh, Nagy's lost that team, Nagy's gotta get fired. Not the case at all.
3: No. And and listen, it's it's again, to me there's no direct correlation. If you go back and look at penalties with teams that go to the postseason, do well in the postseason, sometimes the team that leads the league in penalties wins the Super Bowl. The the Chiefs last year led the league in penalties. Seattle did it for those years. Now, what are you going to tell me that overcoming talent, you know? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, let's be honest. The hell is having Patrick Mahomes, right? And and listen, the Patriots, are they well-disciplined? Do they go a game, sometimes weeks without a penalty or two or three? Yes, they do. They're well-disciplined. I can't disagree with you. Does it benefit them? Yes. It would be nice to be that disciplined. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But it's not a direct correlation all the time, is my point, to the head coach, and how he's doing things, and also whether you're going to win and lose. It's just not. It's an easy out for everybody. Sometimes it is. But... And to be
2: fair,
4: to get back to South Beach Gary's point, you know, the whole Doug Marone press conference where he's like, well, I'm not I'm not sure what was said in there and things like that. He's protecting I, his player. And, and I get you protecting your player, but I think that's where you got to step up a little bit and show the standard of, listen, that's that's unacceptable behavior from our captain. We have to get better going forward. Yeah, I, I guess. I, I, I would have liked to hear that. I would have liked to hear that more over, well, I don't really know what happened out there. It doesn't really matter what happened out there, right? It doesn't really matter what was said. Uh, your captain got thrown off the field.
3: I think there are times when you're going to lambaste your players and your team in front of the media. Yeah. Did he kind of call out Cam Robinson halfway through camp? Some people interpret it yeah, that he yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. There are times to do it, and there are times to not. One mm-hmm. game into the season, when the sky is falling on the outside, and you're trying to keep everything on the straight and narrow on the inside, because you've got 15 more games to go, yeah. might not be that time. That's a Doug Marone calculation. We can criticize him if it was the right move or not, yeah. but I think that was his calculation in that moment, and he had never seen that before. If it was Fournette again, or if it was Ramsey, True. or somebody else, there was not a behavior like that out of miles jack that we could go back and say hey coach what about the last time he did this what about two years ago he did this this is not a behavior we've seen from miles
4: jack i understand that but speaking of calculations it's also a calculation by doug marone to make miles jack the captain in the first place so if you make him the captain and your captain gets thrown out of the game you got to step up and say listen you know, what happened was unacceptable. We can't have our captains getting thrown out. And just move on from there. Yeah. You, you don't have to call anybody out because I think you're saying what Miles Jack expects you to say. But the fact you go, I don't know what happened and everything, I don't know.
3: But just, you, know, you know this because you've been inside buildings. And my guess is what is said in front of that microphone after a game on a podium and what might be said in that team meeting to rip Miles Jack's you-know-what in that meeting is probably a little different. It's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I've never
4: got ripped out by a coach, really, so it's hard for me to relate to that. But, yeah, I think, like, what the coach perceives to the media is 110% different than what he perceives in the locker room and how he acts to his player for getting thrown out yeah, the game. Yeah, the message so might I'm be sure a little my different. I'm sure Miles a different message than what Doug Marrone was displaying for the press conference.
3: And, and, by the way, that doesn't mean you can't be critical of it. Yeah. I don't know if it's the right move. We'll find out if those things are the right move. Yeah. You can certainly criticize anything at this juncture, especially when you're 0-1, you gave up 40 points and you had an ugly performance out on the field. When we come back, we're going to get back to the Jags with some college football at 4 o'clock with Jason Fitz. I want to talk a little bit about the rest of the NFL this week, especially now with the Oakland win and that great game in New Orleans yesterday. Let's do it next on ESPN 690.
1: We had talked... What is it now? Three years ago, about two or three years ago, in an off-season out at Nick's house in California about the opportunity of playing with each other again and uh, that we would do whatever it took in that instance to make it happen. And I saw Nick sign with the Jaguars, and I texted my agent. I said, man, how crazy would it be if I ended up in Jacksonville playing with Nick? About five minutes later, I got a call on my phone, and it was Nick saying, hey, man, what do you think about coming to Jacksonville? The rest is history, and I'm here.
3: I really like this guy, Chris Conley, man. He was good on TV last night, too. Man. We had him on Jags Report Live. That, 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 he's got
4: like a play-by-play kind of voice, too, man. <laughs> yeah. like, he's got
3: everything going on. Good for him. Yeah, he was yeah. good. We had him out of Top Golf, and uh, just to remind, we had a lot of fun. By the way, come on out to Top Golf, 7 o'clock on Mondays, and of course, Thursdays, we have Jaguars All Access, uh, talking Jags a lot. Uh, That one's at Mellow Mushroom in Avondale. We always have a lot of fun there, too. But the new show is Monday night, 7 o'clock, every Monday. Chris Conley will join us for a lot of the shows, but hopefully have some other Jags players on as well. Uh, But I think we got a chance here to make this one a fun one. That's a great setting at Top Golf, and it was a lot of fun. We had some fun. So uh, come on out. Again, we're running some specials, too, along with Top Golf, and I'll tell you all about them as we get closer to the next Monday. But that was Chris Conley on our show last night on CBS 47, uh, Jags Report Live, newest show in town, newest show that we're doing on the TV side. And I do want to mention, as part of that, in our relationship with Chris, uh, we are going to uh, have him on the radio side from time to time, too, uh, coming up during the season. So, uh, cool. yeah, I, I hope he continues to play well. It's a great opportunity for Chris Conley in his career. And now he thought it would be with Foles, but uh, I thought it was an interesting story because I've heard stuff secondhand about Foles, how much he he wanted to play with Conley again as well. Hmm. And basically, almost to the point of, hey, let's go get this guy. Yeah. And he was available, and you heard the Conley side of it, that these guys stayed close and wanted to play again at some point, and this is how it worked out. So I thought it was a pretty fascinating story of how Foles and Conley get reconnected again. Now, for the next couple of months, it will just be the Conley show, and hopefully Foles comes back healthy uh, in the middle of November. We'll talk more Jags in a bit. Brent Morton, Austin Lane, Coos as well. Suck around the NFL. But we might have got the best game of the year <laughs> in the first game of that doubleheader. I mean, Man. what a finish that was. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, I, I always – let, let me uh, kill myself for a second, okay? <laughs> okay. Not really. Good, so no, by any. But yeah, it's, like, that's pretty aggressive. Yeah, that was pretty aggressive. That didn't come out very well. You're good. Uh, but the, I think people should pump. Uh, my thought has been, people should pump the brakes on Deshaun Watson. Mm. And listen, it's, I think he's a good quarterback. Let me, so hear me out. I think he's good. I think people talk about him like he's Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, much like they did with Cam Newton for a while when Cam Newton had that great year. And Cam Newton got all this love, and Cam Newton was the next best thing, and kind of what we're seeing out of Lamar Jackson after week one. Oh, we'll, we'll get to that later, Brent. But I'm just saying, I'm like, okay, he's good. I don't know if he's great. Yeah, he got sacked sixty times. Okay, well, you know what? There's a lot of quarterbacks that get hit. Them. He also takes a lot of hits. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of Peyton Manning played with a terrible line for years and years and didn't take that many hits. You got to learn not to take hits. I mean, heck, he ran the ball in and got hurt again yesterday. He got hurt on a couple of plays. Scary play. Yeah, when he went for the touchdown and landed on his back, not good. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, so I'm watching the game, and I said, "See, Ty." I mean, look at those numbers. Everybody's raving about him. They're raving about him in the game. And I'm like, he's got 193 yards with the best receiver in the game. And he had been okay. He had been sacked six times. I understand. Their offensive line is suspect. And then they just <laughs> kill my argument. Oh, yeah. Because in two plays, he comes back. And see, that's the thing about him. Mm-hmm. I think that's where you have to give him the nod. Last year, he led the NFL, I believe, with five game-winning drives in the fourth quarter. Or at least he was right up yeah, there. Yeah, right there, yeah. Well, then he does it again. So there's a little bit of magic about him, right? There's in the moment about him. And that's what they've always said. Uh, Again, I'm not trying to knock Watson. Because I think he's a cool guy. I mean, really, if you read all the stories about Watson, they're unbelievable. Where he came from, what yeah. kind of leader he was at Clemson. So this is not me trying to knock him. I just think people really overrate him at times. Well, he proved me wrong again last night I mean, for, for making that argument. I would If he didn't have those last two plays mm-hmm. and bring them back, I probably would have come in here and said, you guys have got to stop on the Watson front. I mean, he's a good player, but he's not a great player. Uh, and, and that has nothing to do, it's not relative to should they have picked him over Fournette or anything like that. I'm just saying in general. I mean, they were raving about him before he made those two plays yeah. on the broadcast. And I'm like, jeez, I really... I mean, he, you have to realize he has a terrible offensive line, but he also might have the best receiver in the game that can really bail you out. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins can really bail you out. He's an incredible player. You no, know, he is. Uh, at, at the receiver position. But I'll, I will. I will... I will say to myself, pump the brakes, because Uh that was a little bit of magic, Yeah, and he did it, and and he delivered two beautiful throws, and I don't think it got talked about enough last night, that throw on the touchdown, he got whacked on that throw, man, he stood in there right on the perfect amount of time, and he delivered a beauty, so hats off to Watson, Jags got to play him next week, the one thing you have going against when you play Watson is you might be able to sack him eight to ten times, I mean, their offensive line is brutal.
4: It is brutal, yeah, so the, the Saints had six sacks last night, um... I'll say this about Watson. So I think there's kind of two schools again, Brent. You know, and listen, the, the, the commentators hyping him up last night. Like, yeah, I thought maybe that was a little overblown. But we have to remember what the landscape of the NFL looks like now. And it's a fantasy-driven league. And when Cam was supposed to be like the next – best things in sliced bread, it was a fantasy-driven uh, fantasy league true. then, too. So I think the fact that you have a guy who's a true dual-threat quarterback, right, who who can throw the ball to, uh, to Hopkins or who can run the ball at any time, maybe for 100 yards a game, I think that's what makes him so intriguing. And I think a lot of the you know the chirping and the hype comes from the fact that when you're talking about fantasy football, that's good for you, just good like Cam Newton was, you know, yeah. with the dual-threat quarterback. It I mean play waiting to happen. Yeah, exactly. But, like, yeah, I mean, he seems to have more hype than Tom Brady does. Does, right, like it's like Watson's like the next big thing. Well, Tom Brady's still a pretty good quarterback too. but I don't hear people like hyping
3: him up still. That's a good you know? point. Maybe we've just used all those superlatives. So, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so
4: I just think it's more like the fantasy kind of driven league. And getting back to playing the Jaguars now, yeah, you know, I mean, the offensive line is definitely suspect. It's definitely probably the weakest part, I would say, of their team right now. And if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, your defensive line watching last night, you got a feast. And listen, I after the Jaguars game against the Chiefs, I kind of said, listen, the the Texans can do a lot of things that the Chiefs can do, and the fact that you know that they can run these quick routes and everything like that, and get the ball out of uh, Watson's hands very quickly. Well, we didn't see that last night. You know, he was holding the ball a little bit. Um, he was kind of running for his life after a couple plays. So I don't want to go back on my words now, but I guess just when you when you analyze the Texans' offense compared to the Chiefs' offense, while I do think they have close to the same amount of talent at the wide receiver position, it's just a differently run offense. But I will say this, though um, – If you're going to rush Watson and if you're going to expose the defensive or the offensive line, you have to do it smart. You know, and this is going to be the game where the defensive line is going to be showcased, obviously. And when you rush the passer, you have to be careful that you don't get out of your your pass rush lanes. Right. Like you have to be we talk about communication Mm -hmm. against the Kansas City Chiefs, killing the Jaguars secondary. Communication is going to be what wins the Jaguars this game, or at least, um, you know, keeps a minute, keeps a minute uh, on the defensive
3: line. Yeah. Oh, listen, uh, they have not had a lot of success against. Quarterbacks that can run, too. Mm -hmm. That's been Achilles' heel for this defense. I mean, if you think about two things that have bothered this defense, it's tight ends and it's running quarterbacks. And so you have to be aware of that. I think Watson needs to be more aware of it, quite frankly. He he should not be running the football as much as he does. Mm -hmm. He's already taken a lot of hits. And if he continues to play like this, he's not making it through the season. He just won't. I mean, week one, he's already beat up. I mean, mm-hmm. and he's going to get beat up anyway because their offensive line is not good. They are going to give up six sacks, quite a bit this year.
4: Yeah, just the way it is. And were you surprised, uh, Carlos Hyde last night? Looked Carlos Hyde. Good. Yeah, I mean, looked, looked pretty. I mean, let's see, I, ten carries, eighty-three yards, yeah, eight-point-three average. Yeah, not bad. It was bad.
3: impressive. Not bad. Uh, uh Carlos Hyde skipped Jaguars all access still the only one to ever do it. <laughs> oh, that's right. So Sorry I for bringing up the sore topic. I would have uh, I would have made it in act inactive if he was on my fantasy team. So is is this why you're not going to go to Houston this weekend? Is it because the whole Carlos Hyde thing? No, you I don't really want to see him. Don't okay. care about Carlos Hyde that okay. much. Right, but, I'm just kidding. Uh, man. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, what? See, I saw somebody. I think it was Rappaport maybe, and he said, "Oh, that's what a game that is. Two heavyweights. A game like you could see deep into the playoffs." I was like, wait a minute. I was like, I don't feel that, man. Am I missing something with Houston? That was your typical first game. The Saints, I think the Saints are going to be good. I'm not, I don't know. It's the NFL. I don't, I don't, other than the Patriots, you know they're going to be there. Is Mm. there another team that you know is going to be there? I don't know the Saints are going to be there. I don't know. I'm not convinced of that. So that was a week one game. I never saw anything that said, oh, that was a battle of heavyweights. Houston just, to me does not strike heavyweight to me. Houston has a lot of problems. Their offensive line is terrible. Their JJ J. Watt might be old. Yeah. He might be. I mean, Graham, I mean it, it was one
4: game. Graham, but I think this was the first game in like I want to say 106 games I read where he didn't register like a stat in the you know and in, in the box or whatever. Yeah.
3: He, I, I, you just I don't, don't know, know. and by the way you could say that well, ar- I'm not just honestly, saying that about game Watt planning around
4: J.J. Watt yeah. you know like Whitney Merciless had a pretty good game Merciless you know, that, is an underrated player that, too. that goes to show you that I'm sure they were planning for J.J. Watt yeah. so
3: who's to say they were in double team every single play I get that. And to be fair, we said it about Calais Campbell that you don't know when it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. When do you become old? And and it happens in sports fast. That's reality. It's not a knock against the guy. Mm-hmm. When you go through what Watt's gone through and that back the back problems and other problems, well, you can get old really fast. So I think yeah. it's worth – I'm not saying he is, but I think it's worth wondering when that happens with Watt. Yeah. Uh, and so I just don't – I just didn't look at that game. I don't look at Houston as a heavyweight team. I really don't. Houston does not – they don't scare me. Mm-hmm. But, like, if I'm the Jags, and now listen, everybody should scare you if you're the Jags now, because you don't know what to get with your defense, and you don't know what to get with your quarterback. You don't know what's going on there. So I understand it. But I'm telling you, if you asked me this question last week, I'm not afraid of Houston. They yeah. don't feel like heavyweight Houston. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're going to be a 9-7 and seven football team. They might get the 10-6. and six. They could be 7-9 and nine or 8-8. Eight and eight. Yeah. It, or am I missing something? It's okay if I'm missing something. I just don't feel it. See,
4: and once again, it's only week one, Brent. So we got to take this with a grain of salt because I can sit here and say, well, the Jaguars' defense, look how They did. I mean, you uh, should listen, pay it. Listen, so the Jags like,
3: might stink. I don't yeah, know.
4: but. And listen, I understand that Houston's got an explosive offense. They have really good receivers. But I feel like it's kind of the same thing with the Jaguars. Their calling card's always been their defense. Um, You know, it's always been their ability to stop the run and get after the quarterback with J.J. Watt and, and Clowney. Well, Clowney's gone now, you know. And Merciless is, is, like you said, a very underrated player. But I'll be honest, man. I saw a Texans team last night that I wasn't accustomed to seeing on defense, at least. You know, like, I mean, you used to seeing Brian Cushing in the middle, you know, yeah. making all these plays jaw Georgia. You know, you're, you used to see this kind of swag, And for whatever reason, I didn't really see that from Texans last night. Not to say they can't get it back, but even when I was watching J.J. Watt go against, you know, Ryan Ramchick, who, by the way, grew about 20 minutes away from me. Shout out to Ryan Ramchick. Um, you know, Ryan Ramchick shut him down, you know? It's, so it's just... Uh, it wasn't what I was used to seeing. I'm not sure if that's the clowny effect or what it is, but yeah. I think a team's calling card, like the Jaguars or the defense, both defenses kind of underperformed. certainly does week feel one. like
3: it's week one. You know, it, it It's week one. Yeah. We, it's overreaction. Yeah, yeah. Week one. Hey, when we come back, Jason Fitz from ESPN joins us. We'll talk a little college football and the rest of the world in sports next on ESPN 690. Hey, we got breaking news. You didn't tell me about this. What's up? So uh, you got a fight.
4: Oh, I got mean, a fight lined up. well, there's not a contract signed. I don't have an opponent,
3: but oh, you shared it on social media. That means well, you got to fight because
4: I'm on the poster.
3: So, yeah. OK, but Tell I us mean, more about the fight. Well,
4: It's going to be. I feel like we've talked about it before, haven't we? It's going to be in really. Jacksonville, Morocco, Shrine, Must your other co-host. Maybe. Uh, now no, November 9th. Feels. Oh, the shots are just coming. in. <laughs> see, hey, Cruz, reaction videos. Let's do a reaction video today about how mad Brent made me uh, during the show today. Let's can, do it. Can I do a reaction video to your fight? Like, afterwards, I'll sit at the Morocco sure. Shrine and talk about it? Absolutely, and then I'll do a reaction video to that reaction video <laughs> that you shot, because people love the reaction videos. Anyways, Apparently,
3: fight <laughs> you is... better hope so with all the reaction videos <laughs> you're about to do. So, <laughs> November 9th, Morocco
4: Shrine, yeah. Uh, I, I don't have an opponent yet, but that's uh, that's going to be the next fight coming up. All so. right, good yeah. deal.
3: Let's get training. I'm, Stop hey, eating
4: the potato hey, chips. Hey, man, way ahead of you. <laughs> Do I look a little drained and flushed today? Because I feel like it.
3: Well, <laughs> oh, you still lost all that Start sleep Tuesday because is. they traded a fifth-round pick well, bad, for Joshua Dobbs. I'm not Dobbs. sitting
4: because, yeah, Joshua Dobbs, man. Somebody bring out the CBD oil because I need <laughs> it stat because I can't sleep because Joshua Dobbs. Never uh, thought I'd see the day.
3: All right, let's settle this thing down with Jason Fitz from ESPN. He hosts uh, first and last from 5 to 6 a.m. You can hear him on Go and Wingo on ESPN 690 every morning. And count down to game day Saturday morning. Mornings with David Pollock and Maria Taylor on ESPN app, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. What's up, Jason? How you doing, man?
6: I'm not going to fight anybody. I don't care what you guys say. You're not going to do it.
5: <laughs> well, I'm a little
6: guy. I won't fare well. I won't fare well. Gonna... Remember, all you can say at the end of the day is that you beat up a fiddle player. So, you know, like, there's, there's no secret in that either. So, you know, uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, my only role in this is like, I really feel like i missed my calling in life. I, you know, I grew up a, a fan of wrestling in the 80s. Like, I really should have been like the next Jimmy Mouth of the South Heart. Like, that could have been my, my calling. That's the only closest I can come to combat right there is talking trash for somebody else.
3: I hear you. If you had to Pick a guy, I would pick coos first as our producer, then probably come over to me and then just leave Austin alone. Just start there running when Austin, uh, <laughs> if you're going to have to fight somebody. Hey, man, what a, a wild week in college football. Let's go there first uh, because I know you guys are, are talking all about it on Game Day and this Countdown to Game Day Saturday morning show, which is off to a great start. Uh, congratulations on that. But, uh, man, Michigan, what do we take away? Florida State, we'll talk about the locals in a moment. Uh, what. I want to talk about two of the big games, and then you can take us wherever you want to go. Clemson, Texas A&M, what did it show us about those two programs, that game 24-10, to and then LSU-Texas, obviously, I think showed us a lot about LSU.
6: Well, you know, I think when you start with Clemson, it's a reminder that Clemson is, is clearly the most talented team in the country. And I keep saying it. we need to stop having the conversation about Clemson and the talent gap between Clemson and Alabama and realize that Alabama is closer to Georgia in talent than they are to Clemson at this point. Clemson is able to do whatever they want to do, however they want to do it. I think Texas A&M is still building, and we have to remember that it's going to take Jimbo a little more time than uh, we wanted to, in, in essence, for Texas A&M to become as good as they can be. But there's just such a gap between where Clemson is right now and where everybody else is. They're firing on all cylinders, and uh, now we can finally stop. See Trevor Lawrence is going to plateau, and it's not all that good conversation. We can could, we could stop all of that overreaction. Now, the other game, honestly, guys, it played out exactly like I thought it would, and I said it on Countdown the game day at the time that, Yeah, we were in Austin, and uh, when I stood on the field before the game to do some uh, work for our college football shows, it was 125 degrees on the field. And what I said at the time was, look – as good as Texas has been and as good as Texas wants to be, they don't have the depth. So what I expected to happen is exactly what happened. We keep talking about the number of points in the fourth quarter. Well, what did you expect? I mean, when it is that hot and you're having to rotate players that much and you're trying to run pace in your offense, and protect Texas particularly, you're thin at the running back position, I don't know how they expected they were going to be able to slow it down the way they would need to to control the LSU offense. So LSU sort of did what I thought they would do, and scoring so many points. It's pretty to see Joe Burrow, and it's pretty to see them throwing the ball. It's something that we've been anxious for, so we want to be really hyped about it, but... You know, I need to see it against a, a a team that's not playing in 120 degree weather before I can really figure out what it means long term for them.
3: I think that's fair too, uh, but I do think if I was in Baton Rouge, I'm like, my goodness, we've been waiting for this forever. Gosh, 500 yards of passing and a quarterback that looks like he knows what he's doing. I, I think there's reason to be excited about that. Uh, and to that point, we talk about the gaps in college football. Do you think at least we can entertain the conversation that Alabama might have to run into somebody finally in the SEC West that could give them a run? Everybody always wants to peg someone, right? They want to say when Ole Miss was had all that talent, oh, maybe they'll give him a run. Uh, Texas A&M, Jimbo's there. Maybe they can give him a run. LSU, because they're LSU, maybe they can give him a run even though they really haven't had an offense and quarterback and it's just had a talented roster. But now I feel like you might say, hey, wait a minute. Joe Burrow showed up in a big game, in a big-time spot, and maybe they do have some firepower on offense. You know they have talent all over the roster. Is the gap closing in the SEC West?
6: It is this year, I think, because there's so much youth on defense for Alabama. This isn't Nick Saban's usual defense. When he was up at Bristol this summer, he talked about that they're specifically at the linebacker position before they went through uh, all the injuries he mentioned that they were so thin and so inexperienced there that that was the position he was least comfortable with. Now they go through with significant injuries as they start the season. I I am curious if LSU is going to be able to essentially spread out and tempo Alabama out of their own game. And, and they do have the ability to do that. And this is sort of a moment, tip of the cap here to Ed Orgeron, who now has done the one thing that Les Miles was never willing to do in, in the sense that he's adapted. You know, they bring in Joe Brady as the offensive, uh, as the passing coordinator, I should say. And uh, we we were curious what that would look like, Joe Brady having worked with the Saints. And now we see it. And what's really stood out to me, talking to people around the LSU program, is this is sort of what Joe Burrow thought he was going to be running in the first place. Like, he thought that they were going to be opened up already. So part of why we have such a low expectation on Burrow is he's been running an offense that I don't really think fits his skill set. Now we finally have what I want from any coach, which is look at the kids you have, find their strengths, and coach to their strengths, and that's what they're doing at LSU. So a good quarterback looks like a great quarterback because he's being asked to run something he's comfortable with.
4: Jason, you know, it's only week two now, going into week three of the college football season. I know overreactions are aplenty right now, but I want to get your take on this. What's been more of a big surprise to you so far two weeks in the college football season? The Florida State defense, a defense that allows 36 points to Boise State, gives up 600 yards of offense, and then they they come back out at their home field to Louisiana Monroe, which I can't point to on a map, and Louisiana Monroe drops 44 points on them. Is that more surprising, or is it the Maryland offense I saw you tweet about a little bit? bit uh they they dropped 79 points against howard not really sure where howard's at everyone thought it was just kind of a lucky kind of game uh they're going to slow down against an acc opponent uh that was ranked in syracuse maryland says very cool check this out chew on the 63 burger and they dropped 63 points to to syracuse uh you know so what what, what's more surprising to you because i'll tell you what man that maryland offense looks pretty legit right now
6: yeah, that's the more – I think that's the biggest story of the college football season early on that we're not talking about, you know, is the Maryland doing what they did to Clemson. And I do believe we're going to find out that Clemson's a good football team throughout the course of the year. It's just that Maryland is that well coached at this point, and they're putting up points in ways that we never would have expected. They are explosive from anywhere, anytime, you know. So that stands out to me as the biggest surprise because while we expected Loxley to have – success there as the offensive uh, sort of mastermind i don't think any of us could have seen that coming that being said the biggest abomination i mean tennessee right now tennessee and florida state are really trying to go neck and neck for who can let down a passionate fan base the most and it's (laughs) stunning to see and i I just can't i can't figure it out i can't figure out why these two programs can't uh, figure out a way to right the ship and at least play competent football against lesser opponents
4: uh, speaking of overreactions, you know you got to talk about that Michigan Army game. Uh, my, my co-host Brent here, I think you have them in, in your playoff in Michigan, and he, you know he Just thinks, bring up what Army and Oklahoma did. Don't forget well, last I'm just year. Saying, though, so so Brent thinks you know it's going to be a good game for them. Uh, looking back on things, it's kind of like their wake up call. And I'm gonna be honest, Jason, I see a Michigan team right now that with Shea Patterson as a senior quarterback uh, is not even close to you know achieving the hype that he was that was brought to him. And I see a Michigan offense that doesn't look comfortable running this new kind of spread, and I see a Michigan defense that new Army is going to run the ball and still surrendered 200 yards to them. So why should I be optimistic right now on Michigan?
6: I don't think you should be. I think you're actually right. I think you're spot on on, on everything you just said. Look, Michigan stood on the defensive line. They're still trying to get guys worked in. They got a lot of youth there. They knew that there was going to be an issue But do do you look at this year? I'm not taking – let's take the name Jim Harbaugh off for a second and the work that he's done in the past because it does give him benefit of the doubt. But take all that away, crumple it up, throw it away, and just watch – this Michigan team this year and tell me how they look well coached because they don't to me and Shea Patterson doesn't look like he has any control of the offense he doesn't look like he has any surety of where he's trying to go with the ball I, I'm, I'm alarmed to see somebody that has the talent level that he has just sort of floundering we, we've been making excuses for Michigan for the last several years but I can't look at right now I mean Look at the Big Ten across the board. Michigan State hasn't looked particularly good. Wisconsin still doesn't have a quarterback. Mm -hmm. Penn State struggled for a little bit against a Buffalo team that just was outmatched. And I'm looking at it saying, okay, there's Ohio State, and then there's everybody else. And Michigan is more towards the everybody else conversation than they are to Ohio State for me at this point.
3: Well, listen, just because you don't want to get in a cage with them doesn't mean you have to agree
6: with them. (laughs) I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, that is smart business, though, guys. I mean, when you're 5'9", you, know, you agree with them. That's what
3: you do. Hey, uh, you know, I'll say this comment about Michigan. You have to wonder. This crossed my mind. Is Harbaugh so old school in a way? And mm. I know they're trying the new up, But is his just mentality so old school that even this – he's so stubborn. We know he's stubborn. Yeah. That's a given. Is that just some of these guys aren't willing to adapt enough or really buy in, even though they might kind of show it as a charade. That's what I get a sense from. I mean, we're way down here. We're not close to that program and what's going on in Ann Arbor. But I think that runs through some of these guys. It's hard for some of them to completely change and adapt to this to the new age yeah. game sometimes. And Harbaugh but, feels, I don't know if it's the glasses. I don't know if it's the way they've played offense the last few years. But he almost feels old to me. And I'm a big Harbaugh fan. I like him. Yeah. But he feels old to me at times watching his teams play.
6: Well, and that's the same conversation we were having a few years ago, whether it was right or wrong, about Nick Saban until he started to evolve his offense. And then it looked at it, and his offense was no longer a hindrance. And that's what we're waiting for from Harbaugh, because he is one of the best coaches in college football, and because Michigan is one of the best programs in college football. So there's no excuse to not be able to accomplish whatever they want to accomplish. They have the means there. They have the facilities there. They have the coach there. But you have to have a group of kids that's willing to fight for that coach, and you have to have a coach that gets the most out of that group of kids. And, again, if we just take the name off the chest of Jim Harbaugh and look at what's happening there, it's not good enough for Michigan football.
4: Jason, I want, to talk about coach, uh, I want to talk about a coach real quick that no one's really discussing, but I feel like we should have worn at least a little discussion about him and how much he's uh, hes not really having a lot of success right now, and that's Chip Kelly. You know, Chip Kelly's the guy seven, eight years ago at the forefront of, of, of offensive schemes, had a great run with Oregon, comes to the Eagles very first year I played against him, almost had a heart attack going against that offense, man. It looked like, you know, he was going to turn the whole uh, scheme of the NFL around. He kind of falters a little bit, goes to San Francisco, struggles there, goes back to UCLA, and now he's on a team where they scored 14 points in their first two games, not really that Chip Kelly offense that we're used to seeing. What do you attribute to Chip Kelly struggling so much lately?
6: I think part of it is that when you – because you're absolutely right when you look at where Chip Kelly was and where he was as an offensive mastermind, he was ahead of everybody else, right? Correct. And at some point, the NFL did what the NFL always does. The NFL looked at it and said, okay, what parts of this do we want to take and adapt and make ours? And then what parts do we want to throw away? So what you have now, and then that trickles down to the college game, what you have now is coaches have analyzed it so much, they've found some of the elements of pacing and of some of the elements of spread, and they brought it to their own programs. So it doesn't look as foreign to everybody else as it did several years ago. So as the rest of college football adapts to more spread offense, more pace offense, and as the rest of college football adapts to some of the elements that really made Chip Kelly unique, he's no longer as unique. And that makes defenses are better handled. They're better equipped to handle it today than they were years ago. So now you don't have that little edge. And without that little edge, Ooh, it, it looks rough, and it's staggering to think that we're sitting here in a world, I mean, we mentioned Florida State and Tennessee already, but you can add UCLA, UCLA to that, that conversation of programs that are teetering on the, on the edge of irrelevance, and that's a strong statement for you UCLA. So it's not acceptable for UCLA football.
3: Jason Fitz with us from ESPN here at Mongolic and Wingo every morning on ESPN 690. And on Saturday mornings, Countdown to Game Day, new show uh, with David Pollock and Maria Taylor on social media, the ESPN app, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, a couple quick thoughts, and then we'll let you go. I know you've been hanging on for a bit, but uh, I, I just, you guys, are Game Day's in uh, Ames, Iowa, I think, Iowa, Iowa State, which is cool. I think it's the first time Game Day's been there. But as I look at the schedule, is the game of the week Stanford-UCF?
6: I think it probably is. Honestly, I was I was a little surprised. I know that we there were. You're right. We're going to Ames for the first time, but you know it's natural for all of us. We're constantly looking at the schedule, and genuinely, we don't know until Sunday yeah. where yeah. we're headed. Uh, you know, but I was a little surprised that uh, Ames won out in some ways because Stanford UCF has so much on the line, and obviously Stanford gets their butt kicked, and that that that's part of why that happens. And anytime you can go to Ames and be the first time for a great rivalry, that makes a lot of sense, but. You know, UCF is doing what UCF always does, which reminds us that they should be part of the conversation. And it's going to continue to challenge the mindset of college football and the college football playoff committee until they figure out how to reward teams like UCF If they want to reward teams like UCF. And I've sat through the mock committee process. It doesn't feel like they care about mid majors in the committee. It doesn't feel like they care about group of five in the committee. But, you know, at some point, they're going to have to figure out how they want to reward programs that are consistently bringing success because that's what UCF is doing. And if not this week, it's hard for me to see that UCF won't constantly be in the conversation for game day.
3: Yeah. And by the way, that wasn't really a knock on the decision to go to Ames. I think actually that's the right decision. Uh, UCF, has got, they've had game day like last year. Austin was there, by the way. Uh, so oh, yeah. that that's not it. But I just think it's a big game for UCF, too, uh, to be able to beat Stanford and show again that they can they can beat a Power Five. This would be a big one. Every time you get that opportunity for the Knights, and I'm just
6: waving the UCF flag a little bit. Uh, <laughs> well, you're right, but, you're right about that. And, you know, last year we talked about it when we were doing the rankings reaction shows and looking at the committee. This Stanford game was supposed to be the flag that UCF – could sort of fly to say, hey, stop with the we don't we don't have the best opponent schedule, and UCF is in this impossible situation where I don't think a lot of schools want to face them. I mean, realistically, what's the benefit for most schools? So when you have Stanford on the schedule, it's supposed to be spectacular, and then Stanford goes out and lays an egg. So it's like, man, just, just give the program a break. Like, you know, they, they let them face the best of Stanford and beat the best of Stanford so that we can stop having a conversation about whether or not they belong when squarely they do.
3: Jason Fitz from ESPN, they host uh, first and last, 5 to 6 a.m. on ESPN. Golick and Wingo, he appears regularly there on ESPN 690. You can catch that here in Jacksonville Monday through Friday in the morning. And Countdown to Game Day, Saturday mornings with David Pollock and Maria Taylor, getting you ready for that college football Saturday on the ESPN app, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for hanging out with us, man. We'll do it again next Tuesday.
6: Thanks, boys. Have a great
3: week. All right. Thank uh, you. Jason Fitz from ESPN. Wanted to get in a little Antonio Brown. Maybe we'll see where it goes, and then we'll ask him more on the Antonio <laughs> Brown stuff. But so much to get to on the college football front. Give it two front. weeks Antonio Brown. I'm sure we'll have
4: some more stuff to talk about, so some new stuff on the news front. Absolutely. So, yeah. I, you know,
3: and we will get into Antonio Brown a little bit because I was I was interested how Oakland handled it and yeah. Gruden handled it. Handled it. Yeah. Uh, I think you heard maybe during the updates Jack Del Rio commented he's so toxic yeah. that he doesn't even know if it will work out in New England fist pump for that one <laughs> we haven't bet yet, man relax uh i bet the world on this oh you, you already made a bet no oh okay really you but know you what just you know what
4: really just his reputation which is the most important you know what thing
3: really ticks me off more than anything mm. is i don't spend a lot of time on facebook but a lot That's of smart. my friends on facebook are from new england okay and so i really hate all of them yeah. <laughs> I really hate him. Yeah, yeah. Most yeah, of them. Yeah. Just because six world championships. Yeah. It, they don't well, even get how toxic, good Brady man. is. Get off Facebook. And, then, and, then, and then they go and embrace a guy like Brown like he's this. Oh, yeah, he's the
4: best. We're great. I mean, it's welcome, great to have him.
3: Welcome to football, man. It's arrogance.
4: Well, welcome to the NFL, bro. And the Patriots will not win. I'll tell you right now, I bet Chip Kelly's going to run the wishbone next year.
3: An awesome <laughs> event <laughs> happened in Jacksonville earlier today. We'll tell you all about it coming up next on ESPN 690. Welcome back. Action Sports Jackson on ESPN 690. That was Austin Lane pushing buttons. You know why? <laughs> what? Because he just. Are you okay? What do you mean, am I okay? I did, did you hear that? That was you. That was me. That's what kind of we were trying to reenact what's happening in your head right now. Oh, I got you because you just read bad news about your buddy. Oh, okay, gotcha. I was, I thought like I was. Did you know the T-shirt unless you go to a radio show in Houston? Now your T-shirt business is out of business. I know. Swagoo is now signed to the active roster. Yeah, with the Houston Texans. Yeah, that's why the Jags couldn't get him. Maybe. Let's hope so. They protected him. They love him over there. I know. Um.
4: Yeah. Who was the Texans? Well, listen. I, I don't okay whatever you, so you want to say i love the dude yeah we, we have a lot of tattoos we're we're, we're, we're cool looking dudes okay we, we both have swag okay like i get it brent like hold me to the coals if you want to all right but what intrigues me about swigu like i like to call him uh that's trademarked by the way you it have is. to pay me you say that yep. you like it better than muguval
6: uh, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, because no, okay. is well, is cool. I just
4: came up with Swagoo. I mean, I like
3: Swagoo because I came up with that's, it, you that's know? Fair, that's so, fair. yeah. yeah okay. I mean, if I came up with, yeah. I would trade that. Trade cardball? Swagoo, Swagoo? Yeah. Trademark Swagoo. Even the, yeah. what if he's a hit, man? Let's do it. I know. Okay, well, I'll, we'll b- I'll chip it. in. I think it's like a dollar and forty-eight cents. <laughs> We're gonna go halfsies. Yeah. Okay, let's but go halfsies. Let's try on. to get Tom. But, uh, let's not get Tom terrific. Okay, yeah. that didn't work out for Brady. Yeah. And no, so that's not a good idea.
4: The reason why, why the guy's just intriguing with me, Brent, is because uh, you can say I have a crush on Magoo, but uh, I mean, I'm messing up his name, Magoo. But I just have a crush on quarterbacks that have played baseball, I guess, for whatever reason. Yeah. Um. It's the footwork. It's the ability to throw from different arm angles and you know different angles when your shoulders are turned. I'm just intrigued by that. I think that's where the league is going to go. And like I said, in the next five, six years, you might have this new breed of quarterback that are former baseball players. And I don't want to see Magoo, Magoo go to a different team where they could have had him. And all of a sudden now he's like the prime
3: you know, candidate. Listen, man, we cover the Jags. We're in Jacksonville. Yeah. There's no doubt Swagoo is going to the Hall of Fame. They had him. They let him go. <laughs> He's definitely they going to the Ring of Honor. They tried to get him back. They couldn't get him back. He's yeah. going to the Hall of Fame. That's the way it works out, right? That's the out, way right? it works
4: around here. All of a sudden, Carlos Hyde, making fantasy owners really happy. I got a
0: happy.
3: complex.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's because it's fact. It seems to be happening all the time. Oh, this is
4: interesting. Adrian McCarron is the backup in
0: Houston. Let's go get him.
3: Well, yeah. So now I mean, they're going with three quarterbacks. You know why they're going with three quarterbacks? That? That? Because Deshaun Watson he won't stop caught. running the damn football.
0: <laughs>
3: well, he's also you. getting sacked a thousand he's, times. It, by yeah. the way, that that says he's hurting.
0: No, yeah, I I agree with you. It does. Yeah,
3: but also having AJ you know, McKay. He, a... he got he was slow to get up twice yesterday. Now yep, one he yeah. got popped. Yeah. But the other one was his own doing, trying to get to the end zone, and he's got to stop doing that. Yeah. yeah. I think that's good news for Jags fans right now. It probably is. And uh, they don't feel bad, obviously, because we got our own issue here in Jacksonville with the yes, quarterback situation. So
4: Tom Pellusaro, and this is a, a real tweet, this isn't a fake account, is reporting that the Jaguars were interested in bringing Magoo back after Nick Foles' injury, but uh, instead Houston chose to promote him from the practice squad.
3: So there you go. Yeah, yeah. So, huh. It's it's win some, pra- you I've, lose some. I've never seen this kind of activity on the practice squad. Magoo gets the bonus check from Houston. To, to go there and he gets paid a, an elevated amount. To be honest with you, I didn't even know you could do that mm-hmm. until recent, until these last few weeks. And then Keelan Doss yeah, both of so them, comes over. He comes over to Jacksonville. Jags give him elevated money. And then the Raiders with the whole Antonio Brown thing say, Hey, now we'll come. We'll we'll, yeah. we'll guarantee you this, and we'll put you on the roster. And now I'm coming back home to. <laughs> so, so I, I was going to tweet out this
4: long thing. I ended up deleting because I, I want to see how it played out first. I didn't want to like say something stupid and then come back and bite me in the butt. Come but on, but that's what, what I was do, getting dude, at, that's the
0: definition of Twitter, isn't but, it? Yeah.
4: <laughs> but listen, you, you want to talk about culture and teams and everything like that, Brennan, the leadership, whatever you want to call it, but you have a guy like Keelan Doss who, you know, he was, he was featured on Hard Knocks. He kind of get a feel for the guy. He's a big California guy, grew up in California, went to UC Davis, all things considered, was excited to be an Oakland Raider. And at the time, um, seemed like he's going to make the team. He gets cut, goes to the Jaguars practice squad. Okay. Whatever. So then Antonio Brown, uh, gets released and they offer to bring him back as a part of the active roster. And he says no. He'd rather stay in Jacksonville. What does that say about the Oakland culture yeah. where if you don't, because you're, you're giving up, number one, you're giving up your pension because it's not a guarantee that you make this 53-man roster in Jacksonville. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not guaranteed. So you sacrifice your pension. You sacrifice your credited season. You make the same amount of money because Jacksonville was paying him pretty top dollar at the practice squad. But you sacrifice all those things to stay on a, stay on a practice squad as opposed to going back to Oakland. Now, Oakland upped their ante yeah, yeah. and, you know, kind of uh, made him an offer he couldn't refuse.
3: Maybe it was a good negotiating point. But what does it say about Oakland? And, I, then, I, and then I was going to relate
4: that to, well, maybe Antonio Brown really is a genius and wanted out of there the whole time.
3: Yeah. That's what yeah. I was going to say. Well, but Oakland's one I but, you know. I remember, know for you sure. Remember, what that young man in his first three months in the NFL yeah. had to be around the Antonio Brown situation. And he's yeah. like, this is what it's like out here. Yeah. Now... But Once they promise you play-in time and they give you more yeah. money, then you're like, well, okay, I'll go see what it's
0: like. Well, at that point, <laughs> but, wasn't Antonio already out of Oakland, so maybe that was part of it, too. Yeah, maybe yeah, was and by upset. that time. Yeah, yeah, by that time. But I'm just saying, I mean, a place that he grew up in, you play Absolutely. college there, you go across the country
4: to Jacksonville on the East Coast, completely different, and you opt to stay in the practice squad as opposed to going back to the active
3: roster. I thought it was a little weird. Hey, Tebow opted to go to New York instead of playing Jacksonville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not you're always, right. Not everybody always wants to go home. You're right. Uh I don't know. I didn't want to
4: play in Green Bay, so you're right, bro. <laughs> I didn't, man. <laughs> you didn't? No, heck no. Are you kidding me? How do no. you not?
3: You grew up in Wisconsin, man. Yeah. How do you not want to play for Green Bay? Because I knew, cause
4: I, I knew as soon as I got drafted. Because it dra- wasn't the Vikings. Well, there you go. But no, I, I knew as soon as I got drafted and I'm going to training camp in Green Bay, my friends would be there with kegs in the parking lot and would just <laughs> act, acting a pool. You know, like I'm just trying to make a team and you guys want to do beer bongs with me. <laughs> No, it was just way too much distractions, way too much, you know, family asking for tickets. Jacksonville was the perfect spot for that. Very good spot.
3: All yeah. right. Uh, Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Ku's here. Let's welcome in. Uh, you've already heard him. John Bachman from Action News Jackson. Uh, let's get serious for a moment because uh, what a day out there at St. John's Town Center. Convoy of Care. I've been, we've been a part of these now for the last few years with all the hurricane drives and people needing supplies. This one for the Bahamas, we have talked about it for the last week and I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. that I do we un- had six, incredible
0: turnout. Six full trucks, a hundred thousand uh, pounds of stuff donated today in yeah. an, a, what seven or eight hours, basically. Yeah, seven and hours. you and I are both out there, and it was backed up. I mean, the, we'll we'll show you some Sky Action News Jack's video tonight at uh, at five o'clock of of the lineup of people. I mean, it was. When I, when I showed up at about noon or whatever it was, I rolled in there. I couldn't get in. I had to go all the way around past behind Dick's there to, to get in because the line was all the way out to St. John's. Parkway, yeah, Town Center Parkway, whatever that is. So, um, yeah, it, it was incredible turnout. Nice job, Jacksonville. Yeah, it was really remarkable. You know what, and you that. do have
3: to give. I, I always, I don't want to lose sight. Great job for everybody that that listened to it, uh, looked it up, and they they all had a lot of the right supplies for the most part. A lot yeah. of water, obviously, a lot of diapers, those kind of things that the folks in the Bahamas need. I'm talking a hundred thousand pounds. But I don't want to lose sight those folks in the trucks. Hey, that, that you, load your tweet the trucks was great. up. Yeah, and and not only that, but. They have all the help – like we go over and try to help Mm -hmm. and and get stuff from the cars and bring them to – so you have a lot of people. There's like a little train of people going back and forth and throughout the day, and I only went – I did a little part. I mean I was there for an hour maybe. But those guys now when they have to unload the trucks, they don't have that caravan of people. No, and that's it's a right. 100 degrees out and it's a lot of stuff and it's a sometimes heavy stuff bottle all the they're water They're donating
0: the trucks they're donating the yeah. time. It is really I mean you you gave a a great shout out to them on Twitter but I mean they they worked tirelessly as we rolled in and out. They were there the whole time. And it was hot. I mean, it was so hot out there on that pavement, yeah. right? And they're just, I mean, they just kept going and going six truckloads. We, I mean, they had to go get more trucks. They just kept going. No problem. And then they're going to make the drive. I think they're bringing them down. I don't know exactly where they're going. Yeah, they didn't know exactly. They, yeah. They right, have, South them Florida Florida out, but they're right? going to go down that way. Yeah. And, and they've offered up, uh, there's another, uh, group that's that, that contacted Tanika Hughes. To say, hey, we we want to give some stuff. We're going to collect it, and they said, sure. If you if you can get it to us by whatever time, or before they leave, we'll put it on yet another truck and we'll bring it down. So, I mean, they're just, you know, it, it it's
3: it's it's really cool. Garth Brooks has a song called "People Helping People." Ah, there, there you, you go. go. All right, go. I like it. Yeah. Uh, now, when we were with you yesterday, obviously you guys will have more from the convoy of care, but yeah, uh, the Saint Simon's Island they yeah. had not rescued the 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 fourth. They did that about that 6 ship.
0: o'clock yesterday. They've got all four of the, the, the crew members who were trapped in that uh, engine room area in the hull of that ship. Um, they've got them all out. They're all safe. They're all being checked out. I, I, it, we saw two of them walking on their own power. Wow. So we know two of them are okay. And the other two, mm. they said were, we're in good shape at the hospital. So um, I believe that everybody, all four of those crew members are going to be okay. Have we learned more? We have. Well, not much about them, but here's what we about know. About what happened to I me. Mean. Well, we don't know exactly what happened either, but here's what we know. You know, the big thing now is, is you got this 650 foot ship in on its side on its side in a major port shipping le- channel, right? So you've just got to describe the, again. Did you say in that ship in that cargo ship there are cars? Four thousand cars. It's a ship. It was a car on hauler, its side car wow. hauler. Jeez. So um, you've got a really busy port that has been closed since Sunday morning when this happened. And so today, the Coast Guard gave an update about 3.30 this afternoon. Uh, we had it live on Action News Jax. Basically, they said a couple things. Number one, this is going to be a month, weeks, or months-long process to remove this ship. Oh, wow. They said that, yeah, they said that in the interim, they're working as hard as they can to try to open the port as fast as they can, but it's going to be limited traffic for the time being because they're going to have to bring in a bunch of equipment to try to remove this ship. So <laughs> I don't know how you would do that. <laughs> well, uh, they're not exactly sure how they're going to do it yet either, to be yeah. honest with you. Um, so they have said that they have set an aggressive timeline that they want to have one-way traffic open at certain times of the day by as early as Thursday. Now, that. To me, that sounds like that's never going to happen, but they're working hard to make it happen. They need to make it happen as soon as they can because you got a bunch of port workers who are not going to work right now, and it's obviously slowing commerce because it's a very busy uh, port. So – there's a lot to, to uncover on that that we're working on but that's the big thing is that they they hope to have the port back up and running partly uh, as early as Thursday I suspect it could get pushed back okay but that's where we're at and then months to remove the ship and then of course the big other the big thing is the water what, what's going to happen yeah. how bad is the the pollution they said that right now no major release of fuel the tanks are working as they should but the thing is on its side. The tanks weren't designed to hold fuel while it's sitting on its side. So there is an issue there. They have to figure that out. The question I had was whether they're going to have to remove the fuel before they try to try to upright the ship, or they going to yeah. upright the ship, they're going to take it in pieces. We don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Wow. So it's a big, a it's a big massive operation. That's crazy. Real quick tease for our show because this is pretty cool. We talked to one of the guys, one of the rescuers, who was lowered down that two by three hole foot hole that they had to cut in the hull of the ship, and they went into the the heat and darkness to help recover these four crew members. Huh. And we talked to one of those guys today. So wow, cool. we we have that sound coming for you wow. um, on Action News Jack starting at 5 o'clock. Yeah, 5 Very o'clock on
3: CBS 47, uh, 5 to 7 on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Of course, later tonight at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. We have some, uh, we are like the epicenter for some bizarre things sometimes. You know, it's mm-hmm. not only hurricanes. It's, uh, you know, in the last year they pulled a an airplane out of the St. John's River. I remember yeah. that, And now a <laughs> sideways cargo ship. I mean, it's just amazing how... This all This one you nearby. can't
0: blame on Florida, man. This was Georgia. That's true. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we'll make that part of our pregame special. That's it. There you go. That's right. That's right. All right, man. Have a good day. Okay, Thanks guys. for stopping by. Thank talking so sports, much for talking news, me. CBS 47, Fox 30. Catch Action News, Jacks uh, along with John Tanika and Mike Bursch. Of course, we'll have all the sports covered for you as well uh, on the TV side, CBS 47 and Fox 30. Hey, when we get back, let's get back to Minshew and speaking of man crushes well i think the city now has a crush that's on him. a good point i don't think i'm alone no you're not alone uh so what chris conley had to say about him last night on our show which i thought was interesting he told the story uh about one of the first times he saw him that on the way and also seriously how can he do i mean it's there's almost like this level of confidence in this guy mm-hmm. and he earned that because of his performance but what's reality Let's talk about next on ESPN 6 Night.
1: First week here for OTAs, we had a team outing at the movies. right? And so, you know, the rookies kind of stick together and they roll in squads because they don't really know anyone yet. So the squad of rookies shows up at the movies, led by this character with the massive mustache. (laughs) He walks in with some shortcut Daisy Dukes (laughs) and a cut-off tie-dye tank top and an American flag bandana. And that was Garner Minshew walking into the movies, and I'd never seen anything like that before. I was standing there with Calais and Leonard, and we said, who did we just draft?
3: <laughs> That's kind of what you get. I yeah. mean, if you look at some of what he, you know what's fascinating to me is we we saw him at the Senior Bowl. You had an interview with him at the Senior Bowl yeah. and we're going to pull that up and you can find it on our Facebook on ESPN 690 just kind of refresh. I kind of forget it a little bit, but it was fun. It was one of those fun interviews because Gardner Minshew's a fun guy. And, you know, he is who he is, which is always uh, I think an admirable deal. But I've talked to him a lot in the last month because we had production meetings, getting ready for preseason games, and he was the guy. And he was very like, it was almost, he was so straight laced in like quarterback cliche yeah. in, in, in every answer that you're like, wait a minute, this isn't what we signed up for. Yeah. We're supposed to get the guy with the bandana and the short shorts and the, you know, it's he comes off at the podium and he handles that that QB position in that CEO kind of manner. Yeah. Even though his personality seems far from that. Mm-hmm. But that personality, I think, helped him out on Sunday be pretty cool in, in a tough situation. And I think that kind of gives him the confidence. he got a lot of swagger about him. And a lot of swagger and confidence comes with the fact when you know something and you're not lost in something mm-hmm. – It's easier. Things slow down. He's a smart guy. He knows offenses. That's the book on him. The reason he's in the NFL, the reason he was impressive, that he impressed the Jags two minutes into their combine interview, the reason he was able to have a good year last year with Mike Leach in Washington State, even though he hadn't been there for years, Mm -hmm. and it's thrown into a tough spot, is because he's a really smart guy, and he knows how to read offenses and learn offenses and you could tell that out there on Sunday. This is a guy that had been in the playbook, knew the Filippo offense, and they could run it at least to some extent. Maybe not the extent of Nick Foles knowing it, but to some extent in a functional way. And that showed up. And when you know that, you can have a confidence about you because you don't have to think so much. You can exactly. play fast. You can yeah. see 300-pound guys coming at you. I think that's evident with, with uh, Gardner Minshew.
4: So with Gardner Minshew and it's funny that we're talking about the Senior Bowl Brent because I actually, I went back in my notes last night because I was taking notes of guys that I had to interview for the Senior Bowl like guys that, you know, I kind of ranked like I got to get an interview with this guy, have to get an interview with this guy and at the top was Gardner Minshew <laughs> and the reason why I wanted to interview him so bad was because I remember a college game day that kind of featured him a little bit, you know, and it was like the power of the mustache and all that and it was, you know, I mean, college game does, does, does a great job of telling stories and they told they told Gardner Minshew's story working with Leach and everything and it was a great story so I saw that and I'm just kind of going through the scouting and everything like that I'm like yeah I got to get Minshew to do an interview and the thing that I picked up on the most and we'll definitely show that interview again here in the the next couple days or so is that you know like he he wore this crazy tuxedo thing that i, I brought up in the interview uh, for a bowl game, you know, mm-hmm. and it 's kind of the, the photo that 's making its round, especially when he got drafted i mean it was the it was the photo that could, it was the photo that you could tie to him the most and when you got a guy like that, Bren, and talking to him from going from Alabama as he says to going to Wazoo, where you know it 's kind of hippie ish and it 's kind of granola, he said they embraced him you know and he he, he embraced the culture right back. And I think you got a guy in Gardner Minshew that knows who he is, you know, like he's not rocking this mustache. He's not like doing this bandana thing, I think, from a marketing perspective. All right. Like he's he's not trying to up his brand to get endorsement deals and things like that. I just think it's who this guy is. And I think that in the NFL, especially or any professional sport, if you're comfortable in your own skin and you know exactly who you are, Um, that can, can pay dividends, especially to a stressful environment like the NFL. I mean, it, it took me a while, Brent, because you have coaches, you know, it's, it's, it's a toxic masculinity, uh, you know, kind of locker room and everything. And sometimes you want to be yourself, but you almost adapt to what's ahead of you just to try to fit in, you know, try to quote unquote be a good soldier, right? Well, Minshew doesn't do that. Minshew is just going to be himself. And I think there's something to be said for that. And I think that's why he's so comfortable out there because he knows who he is. He's not trying to do that he's you know he's not trying to be and he's comfortable with
3: it yeah and i think that's a little bit why he probably got along with mike leach talk about a guy yeah who's exactly yeah. like that yeah right exactly <laughs> that was a good fit to a out team, there at yeah. wazoo uh by the way that was chris conley who shared that story about the movies and he was that talking was about chris conley last night on jags report live on cbs 47 want to let you know once again put it on your calendar every monday we'll be there seven o'clock on cbs 47 for jags report live had a lot of questions on the tv side so does that mean jaguars all access is done no it's not this is in Addition two, so Mondays Top Golf, Thursdays uh, Jaguars All Access for at Mellow Mushroom. Calais Campbell will join us on this Thursday along with another player. Uh, last night and uh, a lot of different episodes this fall, we had Chris Conley, so and and other players. So uh, make sure you check us out Top Golf. You can uh, be a part of it on CBS forty seven uh, Mondays at seven, Thursdays at Mellow Mushroom, both uh, seven o'clock shows. What? What's realistic, man? I I think it's a little bit pie in the sky right now on Minshew, and I thought you said something interesting yesterday, but I think I feel what you were saying. I I feel kind of similar, and again, you're talking about the owner of the Sunshine and Rainbows Club. This is a guy I can get, I I can be positive about anything, and I am positive uh, because I think the Jags have parts, and it's not like... Nick Foles is a good quarterback. I think he was going to do a lot of things, but I think relative to what you lose, you didn't just lose Aaron Rodgers. You didn't lose Tom Brady. I mean, you still lost uh, a guy, Nick Foles, that... Yes, it would be way better to have him for the next nine weeks. I just we still didn't exactly know what we were getting out of Nick Foles. Exactly.
4: But to be fair, Brent, at least we knew that he had the leadership aspect. Absolutely. Down, you know, and that's not Absolutely. to say, listen, I know he's going to be in the locker room helping Gardner Mintre and everything like that. And he's still going to be seen in that locker room. His presence will be felt, which is important. But being, you know, being on the IR a little bit, rehabbing. It's not the it's not the same. No, it's totally right. different when you're. It's completely different. Yes, and
3: listen, I'm not trying to frame this like, hey, they're okay because Nick Foles. Was, I'm not trying to frame it like that. I, this is devastating. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a big blow to this football team, huge for the next nine weeks at the very least. And and to to piggyback off that, I think I feel like you felt yesterday. You said I was leaving the stadium, and you you said. I think you said, I'm not that concerned about the defense. You were more concerned about discipline. Yeah. And you also weren't that high on Minshew, even though he had a good performance. Yeah, I wasn't that hyped up. But, and, but yeah. And and I guess to you appreciate the performance. Of course. And I do, too. But I also kind of feel like I've been around this enough and I've seen it enough over two decades of cover in the NFL that you also know reality awaits on the other side. Unless this is something special and we're just – you can't predict it. But Mm -hmm. reality is when you go to your backup quarterback and he's a rookie and he's a six-round guy that comes in with question marks even to begin with – it's not like Dwayne Haskins was sitting behind Nick Foles. And well, you could exactly. get excited about him.
4: I mean, it's not like when Ben Roethlisberger came in for Tommy
3: Maddox, Big Ben goes 13-0. You it, it, know, it, like it, it, it's... Yeah. It's right. It's actually, I was in New England covering the Patriots when Brady comes in for Bledsoe. Okay. And now, in hindsight, you can sit here and say, ha oh, ha, yeah, look at that. Everybody was so hyped about Brady. No, they weren't. You were getting a six-round QB mm-hmm. that looked like me at Michigan <laughs> at the Combine, maybe worse that's exactly standpoint. like him too, by the way. And uh, yes, uh, and I, I, so there wasn't that hype. I was there. I was covering the Patriots. There yeah. wasn't that hype around Brady and like it was, it was, oh no, Bledsoe went down. He's done. That's what it was. Well, what happened is now historic over the last two decades, but mm. nobody expected it. And I don't think anybody would expect that out of Minshew, even for a short term, two months. So I think the reality is this is going to be tough. This is not going to look pretty at times. He will go through learning experiences. He needs Fournette to have a good two months. He needs this defense to have a really good two months. He needs receivers like Dee Westbrook and Chris Conley and D.J. Chark to step up. D.Filippo Filippo's really going to have to call some of the best things he's called probably to this date as an offensive coordinator in the NFL. He needs, he needs his offensive line to be really good. Mm-hmm. So, And what happens in sports sometimes is those guys do up their game because they realize that. That's the crazy part about sports. When you, when you take away this piece, everybody ups their game. I mean, we talked about it recently yeah. with like Bryce Harper and the Nationals. Nationals are playing well. Why? Because they probably all said, hey, it's time for us to do our job a little bit more. We don't have to, we're not going to just watch this, this one guy play ball. True. Yeah. <laughs> there's an element of that. It's yeah. a subconscious kind of element. Yeah. But there's an element of that, I think, in sports. So what is the reality? And I think they have to really try to be 5-5 five and five to stay in this thing. By the time you know, if everything goes well and Foles comes back at week eleven, mm-hmm. well, they're already one and one. That makes you five and four. I mean, am I out of my mind to think they could go five and four over the next nine games? I mean, is that is that almost a ridiculous notion? You're not out of
4: your mind there, Brent. And listen, if you if you want to, you know, we can compare them to Tom Brady and things like that. Like I'm not saying Gardner Minshew is no, going to be to next no, Tom Brady. No, for sure. And I, and I get that. But like, let's let's look at the D- Dak Prescott situation real quick. All right, Tony Romo gets hurt. Dak Prescott, I think, was a fourth round pick, if I'm not mistaken. He was comes in, and goes 13 and three his rookie year. 13 and three, Brent. Like, I mean, if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, you see Dak Prescott, you're like, Ugh, man. Yeah, that's Ugh, good. You know, that's a nice come. But, but, nice but let's but let's see what they do with Dak Prescott though. They they didn't put the game in his hands. They didn't say, all right, Dak, well, Tony Romo's out now. you got to go win these ball games, man. The pressure's all on you. He had the pieces around him, all right? He had a pretty solid defense. Obviously, he had that offensive line that we've been talking about, I feel like, for the past decade. Mm-hmm. And so, and then he had weapons at wide receiver. You know, he had Des Bryant and everything. So, from that perspective, Des Bryant was actually decent. You know, I mean, he's kind of struggled the past couple of years, but that's another story. But if you look at Gardner Minshew and what he has right now uh, with the Jaguars, you got a back that you can give the rock to, you know, 25 times a game, depending he stays healthy. You have a, a very intriguing receiving core and you have a defense that I still think, maybe people are off the bandwagon, that's going to have your back. I truly believe that. And if you look at the success that Russell Wilson had his first year, this happens a lot. If you have a, a solid defense, you have a rookie quarterback that comes in, especially, you know, maybe a later pick that no one really thought of really doing anything. It gives him a shot. You know, it gives him a setup. Now, yeah, Minshew's still got to come out. You can't turn the ball over. You have to make smart decisions. But I'm just saying, when I look at the Jacksonville Jaguars roster, top to bottom right now, it is intriguing from the standpoint where he has the pieces around him to at least – be somewhat successful, I think.
3: Yeah, and you got to get some breaks, and you got to stay healthy. and That yeah. offensive line really has to play well at the end of the day. I mean, you yeah. can move a little bit, but they have to play around. They have to play really well. You know, It's interesting you bring up Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson in those situations. because I agree with you. People think Russell Wilson right now, and they think, oh, yeah, the guy throws for 350, and he's throwing all his High-paid quarterback in the league, by the way. Well, he is, yeah. but he didn't start out that way. No. He started out playing with a, a running attack. In a good defense, yeah. and don't screw it up. Yeah. That's what he played with. That's how he, when they were good, they didn't ask him to go win football games. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, every quarterback has to try to win a game here or there. But they didn't ask him now in the last couple of years. They said, hey, this is your team. We're going to pay you the highest amount of money in the NFL. Go win football games. Yeah. They said that to him a little bit. So you got to put yourself back when we're talking about early years of Russell Wilson. Here's the catch. Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott, even, mm-hmm. what we know about them now after years of evidence is they have a leadership ability, at least that's raved about. Mm-hmm. It's an it factor when yeah. it comes to that. That's different. It's different. So the question is, does Gardner Minshew have something that ha- that's an it factor That's diff- that makes him different? Yeah. Not just a guy that can play football. And maybe it is his smarts. I mean, maybe it is. He's got an understanding. You go back and watch that tape And he made a lot of nice plays, got him into situations, made the right choices. Again, the defense is going to get better from here on out the next three, four, five weeks. But is that the it factor for him?
4: And don't forget, Russell Wilson, his rookie year, went 11-5. and And a lot of that has to do with handing the ball to Marshawn Lynch, which I'm not going to compare him to Leonard Fournette, but could be comparable. Same idea. And a solid defense. Now, I'm not saying they're the Legion of Boom, but there is a lot of hype around this Jaguars defense.
3: So you never know. Let's answer the question. What's their record through week 10? Next on ESPN 690.
1: The big thing about a Monday after a loss, especially beginning of the season, is your approach to it, your mindset. You can come in, you can panic, or you can come in, you can take the good with the bad, take everything with a grain of salt, and realize that there's a lot of work that needs to go on between now and your next game. This Monday we came in, we looked at the film, we saw all the mistakes, we saw the penalties, we saw the mental errors, the times where we got out of our game and we made... Uh, mistakes where we gave them field position, we gave them second opportunities, and we also saw the good things. We saw the ability to move the ball with our second-string quarterback. We saw the ability of our defense to, to snap back and to make some plays, but we know all the things that we have to do and that we have to work at. We're not really kidding ourselves here. We know there's a lot of work that has to be done for this team to get those wins. Dang! Chris
3: Conley for president. Well spoken, sir. That's Chris Conley last night on Jags Report Live. This guy's good. I said it today. I mean, Calais Campbell's outstanding. Has been. It's his third year on Jaguars All Access. Chris Conley is, he's got a bright future ahead of him. I mean, he's an interesting guy, too. You know, he, he is, he, we talked a little bit about the surfing. He's a big Star Wars fan. I think he does a lot of different things. I think he's a lot of different interests. Mm-hmm. Um, but he can talk football. And uh I still, I think, listen, let's be honest with you. One of the reasons we we asked Chris to be on the show for Jags Report Live, and he's going to be on the show quite a bit, yeah, is because I think he has a chance to have a really big year. Mm-hmm. I think this has a breakout opportunity. I think that's one of the reasons he came to Jacksonville. It's a breakout opportunity here in Jacksonville. He was hidden behind a lot of weapons in Kansas City, and the, there's only so many footballs to go around. So many times Patrick Mahomes can throw the football mm-hmm. in Kansas City. Well, here, they're waiting for somebody to, to, to make that next step. And Chris Conley, although we talk about it as young guys often, like a DJ Chark going from year one to year two, mm-hmm. Chris Conley's going into year five and it's more situational now where he can even take another step. But that was him last night, Jags Report Live. I'm always fascinated uh, on CBS 47, by the way, at Top Golf. Come join us every Monday at 7 o'clock uh, for that show. Uh, we just debuted it yesterday. I- I'm always fascinated by, see, this out outside connection to football mm-hmm. and then the the inner workings of the NFL like what goes on inside the bubble of Jags headquarters which sometimes it, it's it is really a bubble like they yeah. are in their own world the players coaches everybody else. And then what is now, because we talk about this sport so much, because it's gambled on, because fantasy football, it gets people's emotions going. It's the water cooler topic. It's what we talk about a lot on this show and shows all around the country. I always say this, and and I'll someday look back in retrospect and thank the NFL probably for how many people they put in business in our industry and keep in business because of the dollars involved in the NFL. I mean, that's just the way it is. But it's part of our culture so much. I I said this to the guys in the sports office the other day. If you were just dropped in or been in a coma for 40 years or dropped in out of this world and came in, you would look at the way we look at football on a Sunday Mm -hmm. and how we react to it on a Monday and how we get ready for it on a Thursday and a Friday. And I'm talking the NFL. This is I even think it's different than college. And I understand college has this element to it. And you'd be like, what in the world are wrong with these people? No, I mean, mean, you think Game of Thrones is crazy? Like everyone's around the water cooler? Oh, can you believe Jon Snow this? Dude. NFL beats that tenfold. I mean, you know, you, you really would. Our our fascination, yeah, with it, yeah, uh, our infatuation mm-hmm. with it, in and yeah. every topic that goes along with it. I think Kevin Durant actually kind of talked about this today, or wherever he, I think it was in the New York Times or something, or Wall Street Journal. But he said he's like he gets tired of the circus of the NBA. Well, the circus of the NBA is kind of what makes the uptick of the NBA right now. The circus of the NFL, the day-to-day, whether the circus involves Antonio Brown, Mm -hmm. good football games like we had last night at 7, or fantasy football gambling and everything else that surrounds it, crazy fans, that's the circus of the NFL, and that's what makes it thrive in a way. I can understand why players can get tired of that. Uh, Yeah. in the social media world, especially.
4: And to be fair, though, you talk about the circus of the NBA and the circus of the NFL. The big difference is, though, the circus of the NBA, say you're an NBA player. Yeah, you do something stupid or whatever. It gets in the headlines. Well, guess what? You know what you get to do like the next day? Go play a basketball game. As opposed to an NFL player where, you know, I mean, we'll be talking about Miles Jack uh, throwing that punch until the next game on Sunday. And then hopefully he comes out and has a good game against Houston. So the turnover is so much faster in the NBA than it is in the NFL. Yeah,
3: that's a really good point. I mean, it is. Is. And and I mean, so much so that you should see the emails I got, mm-hmm. we get when CBS went off the air with the game in the final oh, few minutes. Yeah. Not only that, but also what we get when we show a certain game instead of another game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's just unbelievable. So uh, what I, that was a long way of saying I'm fascinated with what happens on the outside part of the world. And then what reality is, at least for the 53 players and the coaches that exist. And that's why I always like to ask, like, what happens on a Monday mm-hmm. in the film room? On a, How much do you temper this down while the whole world is on fire yeah. about one game, about yeah. one situation? And you are so trained to be like, uh, yeah, we're going to watch this film. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to forget about this in about eight hours. And we're going to take a day off tomorrow. Which is now today, and we're going to go back to practice on Wednesday. And it's like Sunday never happened to us. We are now on to Houston Texans. It's unbelievable how that happens. And and it's like we just
4: talked about, Brent. It's the turnaround, right? Like especially you know going through some of those dark days. You know, winning I think two or three games with Malarkey, and then the year before that, you know, and Coach Rio gets fired, and we had a horrible season then. I mean. Yeah, you, you want to put your blinders on and just focus on the next opponent, right? That's what we tell you guys in the media. But that's not what happens. You know, like we, we hear those radio interviews, you know, yeah. like we, we're out in public and fans may ask us like, Hey, what the heck happened last Sunday? Like step it up, guy. You know, like, I mean, people come up to you and just say that and they have every right to. I'm not trying to knock the fans whatsoever, but just to, to be a professional athlete, especially a football player and just say, Oh yeah, we're on the next one. It's all good. No. Especially nowadays, Brent, excuse me, with Twitter, with Facebook, with Instagram, with everything being so accessible to people, what people's opinions say about you. Oh, I mean, yeah, we're going to tell you that we're not worried about it. We're not on the next one. But I guarantee you, unless you're Puzz, unless you're like an Aaron Campman who doesn't have social media, yeah, yeah you're you're not on. You're, you're seeing what people are saying and, about you. And that's
3: you. the other fascinating part of how the mentality has changed, because I think for a short time there... And I don't know what the window was. Mm-hmm. It probably was around when you were playing. When Twitter's coming out and everything, you're like, uh, coaches can be, uh, don't even get on Twitter. And you are be like, well, I'm not even on Twitter. I'm not looking at Twitter. And yeah. maybe that was the case. Well, now it's almost embraced, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, those guys are making money yeah. on Twitter. They are on Twitter. Well, That's how their business is booming is yeah. on Twitter. So, or I shouldn't say just Twitter, Instagram and other places. So, social media. So, now they have wrapped themselves around it. Uh, and do they know how to funnel that correctly, right? Mm-hmm. I've I've had both experiences. I've had experiences where I remember Alan Robinson. Uh, I, I said something about Alan Robinson, and he liked the tweet. Was right. <laughs> I was going yeah. So I, I remember I remember that instance. But Alan Robinson never like the next time I saw him, he was like, "What the heck are you doing with that yeah. tweet?" You know, like what well, he didn't act that way. He just he kind of understood it. He knew it. You could tell. Yeah. And then I had the other in, instance with like Jared Odrick. Where I, I probably said something a little bit more flippant. It was like he uh, was. I remember it was in the Chargers game, San Diego Chargers, on the road. They got their butt whooped again by Philip Rivers, yeah. and he jumped off sides. And well, I, was, I remember that game. And he went crazy. Yeah, yeah, he went ballistic. And I and I said something like, "Oh, Audrick jumps off sides for the hundredth time this season." <laughs> it was like five games <laughs> yeah, yeah. in. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. they, they were so undisciplined. It was yeah, it was a bad and, season. And it was interesting the way Odric Odric actually handled it in an interesting way. Like the next time I did the interview, he actually- he he answered the question to say, "By the way, he's well, an interesting I, cat. He is an interesting yes. cat." But he inter- answered the question like. Something to the effect of, well, if I had to do it for a hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> just a, just a passive aggressive approach? Oh, yeah. Oh, big I love time. it, dude. Yeah. Big time. And so then oh, we had a, a conversation different cat, about it, man. But yeah. it's, So it's just, uh, it's different. Like right? a few years ago, again, you said it. Pause. Those guys, well, they would never react because they don't even know. They're like, what? So, we, have a g- we had a game the
4: other day? And then let's go ahead and tie this back to Doug Marone. <laughs> <laughs> Doug Marone. We talked about, and you brought this point up, Brent, where why isn't Doug Marone in the media more um, holding Miles Jack responsible? Why isn't he calling? Calling him out, making example. South Beach Gary asked that. South Beach Gary asked that. You know, and I'll share a quick story with you. My rookie year, and Twitter is just kind of on the up and up right now. And I think, as far as like sports journalists were concerned, and things like that, you know, like they would sometimes tweet quotes of what coaches would say. Well. I'll never forget, and this is the the Mike Thomas game, where, you know, against Houston, the Hail Mary, we win the game, best game I was ever part of, whatever, yada, yada, yada. Well, I'll never forget, it was one of my very first starts in the NFL. And uh, a reporter must have asked Jack Del Rio, because uh, he used to call me, Brent, he used to call me the bringer of pain, right? So a reporter goes, so what is uh Austin Lane, the bringer of pain? What have you seen from him so far? And I read this on Twitter, the transcript, and Del Rio goes, "Well, I'll tell you what, he's he's causing me a lot of pain right now." <laughs> and, 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 and I saw that, and I'll be honest, man, like I, I wasn't looking for it; it just popped up, like you know, a reporter yeah, yeah. That, I, that I followed or whoever it was posted, it, and I saw that. And I'm like, "Oh, that's a bummer." So, like, <laughs> but th- th- this is my point, though, and that was back in 2010. So now let's flash forward 2019, man. So, I guess I can see the point where why Marone doesn't want to take care of things in the media. I think he's going to handle it internally. Not to say Miles Jack got off the hook whatsoever. I'm sure he got an earful behind closed doors. But, um, I think it's a great point that you brought up where, yeah, of course he's going to take care of it and, you know, behind doors. But in terms of the media, it's just
3: kind of very vanilla. So what did you do after that? Do you remember? I mean, was it like, I just
4: kept living my life, man. You know what? Like, you never, like, did you ever ask a real about no, it? No, no. I never brought it. And I, I wish I would have asked him about it when we interviewed him. We'll bring him, him back. But, no, but I talked to Jack the other day. He was right, in cool. Jacksonville, actually. I got you. Uh, For the game. Yeah, and yeah. so we'll, we'll, he'll
3: come back on. Okay, he cool. Because like,
4: literally just talk about this, re- rehash that story yeah. for me.
5: But, so. Well,
3: it's interesting because, listen, if you're... I, I think you got to relate it. And I know it's different because people say... The number one thing that's different is the money. Okay, I get it. The money's different. Mm. You, you guys are making a lot more money than average Joe's making in in a workplace. Yeah. But if your boss went on Twitter and said something, you'd be like, you wouldn't sleep all night. Yeah. You know, like yeah. average, like our, we wouldn't sleep. Yeah. We wouldn't. Yeah. You know, instead of doing it in an email form or in a bringing into the office. At least you know, but if everybody else knew that your boss just said this about you yeah. in a place, that doesn't even fly, by the uh, way. It doesn't but, even fly, probably, from an HR's perspective in the world. So, so it's so different. It's so different. So,
4: and it works both ways, though. And this just reminded me of another story from my rookie season. So, when I first got drafted, and mind you, this is 2010, alright? This is an Austin Lane who's coming out of Murray State with a chip on his shoulder who wants to make an impact. And I forgot who the, who the interview was even conducted by, but basically they asked me, what do you look to bring to the Jacksonville Jaguars? And I said that I wanted to cause as much pain to the <laughs> opponent's quarterbacks as possible. And that's kind of like where the bringer of pain came from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Del Rio goes up to me, he's like, hey, Let's keep that under wraps. Let's not, not say, you know, we're going to hurt quarterbacks. I'm like, yeah, fair enough. Sounds good. Week two or three of the regular season, Vito, you know, Vito, yeah, Vito is interviewing Hall of Famer. me. And mind you, I'm still a rookie, right? So like, I don't know the, the ins and outs. Vito's far from a rookie. No, exactly. He's very experienced Hall of Famer, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yes, he is. So, uh, so he asked me like, so what are you seeing out there? And I go, well, you know, uh, I just, I really want to get my pass rushing skills and increase so I can bring a lot of pain to the quarterback and cause a lot of pain and injury. And I said that, I'm like, but you know, that's off the record. I said off the record, (laughs) well, what gets posted in the paper the next day? Austin Lane wants to cause pain and injury to quarterbacks. So then I, I try to be, take the initiative and go to Jack and be like, Hey, so, uh, there's this article. I read the article. I'm like, there's an article out there. I said something that I probably shouldn't have said. He's like, she kind of shook his head at me a little bit, but like, it works both ways though, you know? And, um, and like like I said like this is back in 2010 Brent nine years later, and now it's like ten times as worse. So, yeah, yeah.
3: I can see the perspective of keeping things vanilla sometimes is the way to go. And again, it's something that, you know, we talk about, as I mentioned earlier, Jim Harbaugh, is yeah. he as he, uh, it passed him by a little bit, in just a sense that he's so old school. Well, you have to take all these old school guys, and they now have to factor that in to the temperature of their locker room. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you have the ultimate respect of a Saban or a Belichick or whatever, yeah. that you just can do whatever the heck you want. And you're oh. going to do it my way, you're out of here. And, and that they've built that, but there's a mm-hmm. lot of places that are trying to build things. Yeah. I and mean you have to worry about that stuff.
4: I think Wisconsin's a great example with head coach Paul Christ. You know, I mean Paul Christ isn't a a flashy rah rah type dude. He's just he's an old school guy that grew up in the system, you know, he's been there forever. So I mean I guess I bring it back to this, Brent. You have to be who you are. I think that's the biggest thing in terms of coaching. You you can't put on a facade and like I've talked about before on the show, I, I may have played for a coach that put on a little facade and the team addressed that. Yeah. You know, so you can't have a facade, you have to be true to who you are. And if you're true to who you are, players can tell that and you'll earn respect. Now, will they play for you? Will they give your heart for you? Maybe, maybe not. But at least you earn the respect. That's the start. But if you come in one week and you're acting one way, next week a different way, you lose the respect. If you lose the respect, you lose the locker room and you lose the culture.
3: Right, let's hang on to the happy hour. We'll do it on the other side of this. And uh, also, uh, we got to answer the question. We got off kind of on a tangent. We but we'll <laughs> answer the question. What's the Jags' record through week number 10? We'll get some other things, including our Baker Sports Coach of the Week, as well from the high school ranks, on the way on ESPN 690 next All right, let's get to that happy hour horn as quick as we can, because we were story timing at 5 yeah. o'clock. So, Sorry about that. Hey, we got the whole hour. It's not like it okay. has to hit at 5.03. Okay. We're not up against the clock. All right. If I did right. that, I would have been out of business a long time ago. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it is happy hour horn time, brought to you by Vita de Louis.
2: Ladies marching, there's enough for everyone to We're gonna make this party the best thing at night. This is my favorite place, nothing will right replace no. Not nothing. Anything goes, gangsters rolling, happy smiling, so heads oh,
5: yeah. over.
4: Grab a drink, get a shot, and sip your star tenders and chase that down if your name's Brett Martineau or Justin Cuzo with a giant L in fantasy football.
3: Oh, it is. Uh, and chase it down with a little Vita de Louie. Recently got a 94 rating, a locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville. Made Tequila, Mexico. Shipped directly to Jacks Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita de Louie tequila, one of the smoothest tequilas you will ever taste. For locations, recipes, and merchandise, visit com. Drink responsibly. We'll have uh, the Vita de Louie folks out at the Action Sports Shack Stream 18. That's coming up in less than a week. It's it's Monday at the golf club at Southampton. Uh, big thank you to Vita de Louie, but also so many other folks that have helped this uh, uh, be such a success. Maybe our most successful year yet in our 10th anniversary of the Dream 18 concept and uh, another golf tournament to go on Monday. Cadillac, our title sponsor. We'll have all the sports teams out there. uh, The Shrimp, the J.U. Dolphins, UNF Ospreys, Sharks, the Jaguars, the Icemen, the Giants. Uh, Giants are a big presenting sponsor for us, uh, along with the law offices of Ron Scholes. The Players' Championship will be a part of it as well, thanks to Airstream Ventures and the Armada. I don't want to forget about the Jacksonville Armada and Top Golf too so uh so many people to thank we'll do more of it throughout the rest of the week Uh, and then the big event coming up on monday right now i saw a forecast that said you know, you might have some thunderstorms in the afternoon, but we tee off at 9, so as long as we get it through done in the morning and mm-hmm. early afternoon, that we're good. And also, I saw a temperature of 86, yeah. which is going to feel like 65, <laughs> so it might have a nice day. I mean, the way it's <laughs> been so hot, man. I, know. I mean, I love so the depressing. heat, but it has been hot. And yeah. Now we're getting deeper into September, yeah. and 98 and feel like it's around 105. Mm-hmm. Not that fun.
4: Yeah, I mean, stay hydrated. You know, if you're the Florida State Seminoles, hopefully they
3: learn how to stay <laughs> hydrated from there. I wonder who's coming up with a hydration class at Florida State. <laughs> it's a new major. There is a need for it, right? Yeah, <laughs> do what you can, man. <laughs> uh, at least the folks that claim Gatorade in Gainesville didn't have mm-hmm. that issue. That is would have been a, a worse problem. Qu-
4: here's a question I was had real quick. So Gatorade was obviously made in
3: Gainesville. Does the university, do they get some kind of cut of that or not? I should know that, but I don't want to talk out of uh, turn, and I'll uh, have to look it up we'll instead. Look that up. I don't think they do. Yeah. I don't think that's I don't think they get I mean they might get some free Gatorade along the way. Oh, I mean a lot of people do. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know somebody else probably knows this better than I do. Gotcha. I, I don't think they like they're invested in the in Gatorade. Yeah, I got you. In that sense. Okay. I, I don't think there are there's return. Sure. I got on you. That. Um but I might be wrong. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. Um it could happen. Uh, a couple other things. We, let's what's the record when the Jaguars Good question. Play the Colts on November, I think it's 17th it is. And uh, Nick Foles is due to come back. It doesn't mean he will come back, by the way. He's due to come back uh, on November, eligible to come back. Yeah. Uh, so, assuming Gardner Minshew plays through the first 10 games, Jaguars are 0-1 right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, man. Houston, Tennessee. So I still think they beat Tennessee here. I love the home Thursday night game. Home Thursday night game usually is a huge advantage for the home team. I'm yeah. taking them there. I don't know about this week on two I like again, Houston doesn't scare me. I think it's a fifty fifty game. Uh eight and a half point favorites right now. It's dropped though. It was nine and a half. Oh okay. Uh, there it, go. if it is eight and a half, that's a way well, it,
4: it was this morning, but this, I,
3: what do you use you for the morning? points? Yeah. It was I mean, nine is and a half Vegas. yesterday before Houston played. Okay. Well, let me look it up right now again. Then. Oh, maybe <laughs> once continue. they put Magoo on the active roster because oh, 20, 20 <laughs> plus 20 all day, just in case it goes in <laughs> because Watson, who knows yeah. uh, with his situation, I guess. Yeah. And they saw that offensive line play again, maybe it dropped a point, but anyway, You got you got Denver, which isn't necessarily like oh Denver's really good. It's it's in Denver. It's in Denver in Chubb and Miller and Jags offensive line still has to prove some things. Obviously Flacco and that offense aren't going to scare you and worry you, but I still think can they get to two and two after this first month? I think it's very possible. I just don't know how they do it. I don't know if they win the next two or maybe they win the last two of the month. Uh, I think two and two is possible though in the first month. Then at Carolina, I think it's a tricky game for them. I think the Saints here at home, tough yeah. game for them. I could see them being two and four. And then the most important games coming up are those next two. Who's after New Orleans? It's Cincinnati the, and then the Jets, right? Yeah, who played Seattle? Pretty tough. All well. things considered, but the JJ Jags, Green's out. If this season is going anywhere. For the Jags, even with the backup quarterback situation, yeah. they have to win those those two games at in Cincinnati. IP. Yeah, at Cincinnati, home against the Jets. And so could they're. I mean, is it doable with a backup quarterback? I think it is. I mean, those those are teams that if you're any good, you're mm-hmm. going. To, you've got to beat them. You've got to beat them. And and maybe you know in the NFL you might lose to Cincinnati, but then be, that's because you beat New Orleans. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so as long as it shakes out some way like that. And that could be four and four. Then what's a, what's left? What's the other two games before seventeenth?
4: Uh, we London, got Houston. Well, then it's Houston. Yeah, uh, in Jacksonville.
3: In That's in London.
4: Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Thank you. Yeah, and then it's the Colts. No, November seventeenth because
3: you have a bye week then after November third. Oh yeah, I keep forgetting that. So it's really not ten games. It really is nine games. Yes. Okay, so they've got a. So they could legit go four and four the next eight games. Yeah, I mean, listen though, you're... I got them four and five in the next not, by week. By the time they play that game against the Colts, Jags are four and five.
4: I'm gonna have a lot better idea once I see the teams play again this weekend. I get the the fact, Brent, that you say the Thursday night game against the Tennessee Titans, the whole you know, I mean, the home field advantage is more prevalent. I think during Thursday than it is in Sunday, I'll come with you on that. But this is the Tennessee Titans, man, and the Tennessee Titans have had the Jacksonville Jaguars number for a while now. So I'm really oh uh,
3: I'm not scared of Tennessee. They can,
4: they I'm can. not scared of the Tennessee Titans. But the, the, the if you're not scared of them but they beat you the past four I
3: don't times, care. Bro. You can That's part of it. Get it out of your head. Okay. I'm not scared. Listen, the kickers in the head of Chicago. The refs are in the head of New Orleans. Get it out of your head. Tennessee you you you're, you're, you're going to beat them. Went to Cleveland and pretty much handled Cleveland pretty easily. Yeah, and you know what, Tennessee to their credit does that from time to time. Tennessee when they go 8 and 8 and 9 and 7 or 7 and 9 will yeah. beat Seattle, who looks like they're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And it'll be like, what the heck? Where did that come from? Yeah. And then they'll lose to the Dolphins. But the way they did it though, Brent, it wasn't
4: just like, you know, pound the rock and stop the run. I mean, they they threw some passes to Derrick Henry. That paid off in dividends. Uh AJ Brown now is coming out looking like he's the real deal. Corey Davis, I mean, like Delaney Walker's still a pretty good tight end. I get what you're saying, but you can't take the Titans lightly, obviously. But I'm gonna come with you. I'm, I'm gonna say that they can win four games and that spam.
3: That's good. You just don't know if they're gonna beat the Titans. I get it. No, I, I really scared. don't. You're scared I'm of not, the Titans. Honestly, I'm you're not six, that worried six, about the Broncos. 45 pounds, and you're scared of the Titans. I mean,
4: Derek Henry in the cage not. could be a good match.
3: Every decade would be a good match. But
4: I'll be honest, though. I'm, I think right now I'm, I'm less scared. We can ask about Ryan, Ryan O'Halloran when we talk to him again, but I'm less scared of the Broncos right now. Yeah, um, first impression, not good. Joe Flacco? Nah. Yeah. Uh, you know, their defense, I, I don't I don't know, Brent. Like, th- this is a team that's, you know what, it's kind of comparable to the Jaguars, right? Like, the Broncos are, are built on that defense, that defensive line, that secondary. And Gruden exposed them. You know, um, they didn't look ready to play. And you got have a head coach in Vic Fangio that takes super trust me when i says takes great pride super great pride in his defense and to come out like that uh not a good look so well,
3: you just hit my fallen by the way so oh, my bad. Do, no don't be it's okay. not your bad we yeah. had to get into it anyway but sure. my fallen was the broncos that was a bad performance yeah. to, to be it, i think a lot of people had them as kind of that sexy pick to emerge of of surprises yeah well that was not a good start i mean yep. you had a chance to kind of you get the feel. I get Antonio Brown being gone helps Oakland, mm-hmm. but it's still Oakland. And they're kind of a mess, and they feel like they're a mess. And Mayock and Gruden and what's going on and Derek Carr and what is he? And they didn't do anything to stop that. I mean, I, I, I thought that was an easy game to pick, Denver beating Oakland with or without Antonio Brown. Mm-hmm. And it turned into a disaster for Denver. So I thought it was a brutal performance again, yep. overreaction way. I mean, are they going 2-14? and 14? Maybe not. They'll figure things out. But uh, it was a bad performance. That was my fault.
4: The other game I'm really, I think the Jaguars are very capable of winning are the Panthers. I've never been uh, buying in on the Panthers this season. I I don't buy Cam Newton as a quarterback, and I don't buy their offense. I get Christian McCaffrey's a good dude, and. If you're the linebacker in court for the Jaguars, you got to keep him in check. But I'm not sold in the Panthers either, so I think Jaguars can definitely win that game in Carolina. My my phone really quick, Malik Jackson, you know, yeah, a, it's too bad, former, a former guest of the show. Um, I really enjoyed talking the dude out for the entire season due to a Liz Frank injury. Tough injury. Yeah, I've been there. It sucks, That's man. That's a tough one. Yeah, and what's the worst part about it? It's the name, Liz Frank injury. It doesn't sound that, you know... Yeah. Intense, but trust me, it's an intense injury.
3: Yeah, yeah. a lot of people say that. that's a tough. I mean, there's yeah. Achilles, there's Liz Frank's. There's, yeah, those are some of the tougher injuries uh, to come back from and deal with for football players. Sorry to see that uh, for Malik Jackson. When we come back, we'll do a little balling, our Baker Sports Coach of the Week as well, and uh, more football talk. That's what we do it's on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN six ninety. Hey, welcome back. We're talking a lot about the business in commercial break. The business. It's a fun business. Yeah, I'm a fascinating business. so far so good. I'm, I'm having a blast. I always thought there was a time that I was like, I feel like I could do. I wonder if people would be as interested in the business as like the business side of it, because so people so many so few people know how it works. Mm-hmm. Our business, much like I don't know how somebody else like car business works or yeah, whatever. Sure. Like, but but like I'm intrigued at times. So like if I'm playing golf with somebody. Mm -hmm. and they're an accountant or uh, whatever, and there's so many people that will say they do something. I'm like, so what do you do? Yeah. Like, what is that? You know, I don't get it. Like, what? I'm just so locked in on what I do. I don't really know what that is. Yeah. So I'm always fascinated to see how, like, other people's jobs work and – Sometimes, yeah, so have you
4: ever shared this story about the people that I, I hated giving Uber rides to the most? Have I ever told that story no. real quick? So it's kind of on topic here where, you know, like you wonder what other people do. And usually I'm fascinated. But there was one type of person out of everybody that I could not stand giving a, giving a ride to. And it wasn't like the drunk person at Jack's Beach. It was when I was going to the airport. I always kind of held my breath a little bit because I'm like, please don't get this person. Please don't get this person. Because they're always at the airport going to a hotel downtown. And this type of person is like... You know, like the Wall Street, the stock market the typical businessman who doesn't even have time to say hi to you as he gets in the car because he's on his Bluetooth the whole time swearing because, you know, something's up or something's down, and he's losing, you know, a, a boatload of money, and like, he's stressing out about it, and, yeah, like, that whole kind of scene right there, Brent, that's not something I want to be involved in right there, so that's why I'm happy to be in sports media. <laughs> and, and
3: that's interesting. It's not really against, like, whatever they do, but it's just, like, you knew you weren't going to have a conversation with that person. It was going to be a ride, no. you were just going to hear yell, yelling swearing yeah, well, yeah up, and you yeah. might as well just say, hey, is the Dow up or down? You don't even have to ask. You no. already knew about the, probably yeah. the conversation. Well,
4: exactly. <laughs> and listen, I'd rather have a, a ride in complete silence than just listening to some guy complain because so-and-so and just, it, it's stressful, man. It's just, it's a stressful environment, that whole Wall Street stuff and just being that kind of businessman. But that's just my opinion. That's just the, that's the one person. Because, you know, I mean, it, it can be a girl, too, that I just did not enjoy giving rides to.
3: <laughs> that's funny. That's yeah. interesting. I, I almost wanted to, I almost wish you had teased that a little bit. Sorry. So yeah. we could yeah. guess. Well, it was just completely random yeah my bad man yeah hey uh Come in the car and I'll give you an Uber ride and throw up if you want. But don't be that damn stock market guy no, that's going to talk about up and down stocks. Dude, I'm serious,
4: <laughs> man. Like I've I had to deal with drunk people before and everything, but it was just it was that slick back because there's a, there's a type, right? It's it's the slick back hair, rocking the shades and everything on his Bluetooth. Um, just yeah, not I'm not my guy. style. The AirPods. Oh, the, the, the dude. So the dude's young though. The dude's probably my age or yes. maybe a couple years older. Yeah, you know, just yeah. Just got zero, a lot of money. He zero thinks he's so, king of the world. Zero social awareness, you know, like yeah. zero respect. It's I, his I world, and,
3: and you're paying rent. Exactly, exactly. And, and Cous, I'm trying to get you there safe. <laughs> Cous, yeah. Coos, you be quiet about the AirPods. What are you, I, I see I a lot of cool people <laughs> with
4: AirPods. <laughs> um, truth be told, we a lot of AirPods. They're more of like like the traditional Bluetooth thing, which is weird for a thirty-something year old to have. But, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's like the old school, the old school the
3: way. Bluetooth. Yeah. Uh, let's continue on with uh, balling and falling because we're talking about stocks up and down. How about yeah. Ballin' and
4: falling? I like that. that's a nice segue right there. Uh, balling. So last night during the Monday Night Raw pre-show, and I saw Kuz tweeted this out. I uh, Edith Cantor, Brent, NBA player, won the WWE 24-7 championship, only to lose it a couple of seconds later. Um, he shows up wearing a Boston Celtics jersey. The The event was taped in New York, so obviously Madison Square Garden, uh, they're kind of rivals. So I guess he was met with a crowd of booze when he won, only to get rolled up later and lose again. So thought it was kind of cool how they're... You're kind of seeing a trend of this now at WWE. You know, I think they're starting to feel a little bit of the heat with all the wrestling. So I think they're trying to go more towards the, you know, like the professional athlete, like the actor kind of route and getting like all these kind of, you know, household names where I'm not saying Enes Cantor is a household name, but, you know, they're just trying to get the more s- social media stuff uh, driven here. So uh, it was cool to see Enes Cantor
3: last night during yeah. Raw. Who cool, so even knew you were going there today on Did you show. know I was going there? Well, I, I had a feeling yeah. it would happen. Yep. All right, my ballin'. I'm going to give a shout-out to the Taxlayer Gator Bowl. The Gator Bowl making an announcement today. The honorary team in celebration of the 75th annual Gator Bowl game, the all-Gator Bowl team. And I'm yeah. going to roll this off. it. I actually helped uh, uh, vote on this, oh, cool. uh, even though I have not been around for 75 years. But <laughs> it, it did come out this afternoon. And f- just listen to some of the players that played in Jacksonville. At the Gator Bowl. And for a lot of folks that are new around here, you know, the Gator Bowl now might be, what do we have, 40-something bowl games? Mm -hmm. So it's one of a lot of bowl games. And now the 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 mega-important games in the New Year's Six, but, you know, those college football playoff games are above everything else. I mean, the two semifinal games. And there's still the pageantry of the Rose Bowl and everything else. But for a little history lesson, not that I'm the old guy, but if you're new in town or a little younger, I mean, there were six bowl games. Back in the day, and the Gator Bowl was one of them on New Year's Day. See, like, one of the big things about, there's two things that I miss from the, uh, that maybe I do sound a little old guy and I miss from the childhood growing up and I remember watching it this way, is the old four screen on the March Madness on opening day on Thursday and Friday, Mm -hmm. where they would show all four games at the same time. And now they don't have to do that because the games are on, like, True TV and TBS and TNT and CBS. So they just show that now they might break in and, and show a little bit. But they hard they used to do that a lot on Thursday and Friday. They would show all four games going on at the same time. It was like picture-in-picture picture times two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, That's, it yeah. was fun. That's cool. Like, I got four games I'm watching right now. This is really cool. And you check in your scores and, and all that stuff. The other one is New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. new year's day used to be the day for yes. college football bowl games like the big games and all but that was the day you didn't want to move from 11 in the morning till deep at night yeah and it's just not the way anymore because now they're bridged over you know uh new year's eve into new year's day maybe even a day after and then the college football playoff games come even a couple of days after that yeah yep. so it's just different and, and it, it's weird to different like new year's day when i'm watching college football game there's only like Three games on or two games on, whatever. It's like, yeah. wait a minute. Like you're supposed to be bouncing. Bowl. It's, yeah, yeah, I get what you're But anyway, about. my point is, back in the day, the Gator Bowl was one of those big games. Hmm. I mean, it was one of the games. Yeah. And so my ball, it is the team that they announced. Archie Manning, Floyd Little from Syracuse, Larry Zonka, Syracuse. Of course, many know him from the Dolphins. Sure. Fred Bolitnikov, FSU. Andre Ryzen, Michigan State. Ken McAfee, tight end from Notre Dame. Mark May, many people know him from now a, a broadcaster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tackle for Pittsburgh. Uh, Greg Skrepanik. Skrepanik? I don't even know that one very well. Tackle Michigan. Okay. Dean Dingman, Michigan guard. Zeke Smith, guard Auburn. Uh, surprise, surprise, you're not going to know the guard names very well. <laughs> uh, Ed Reed, you know that name? I've heard of him before. Defensive back Miami. Can give a hell of a speech. Tony Lilly, Florida Gator fans. You know that game name, uh, DB from Florida. Hugh Green, defensive end Pittsburgh. Jack Youngblood, mm-hmm. uh, Florida, Hall of Famer. Wilbur Marshall, you know that name, linebacker Florida. Donovan Darius played here in Jacksonville, but for this, uh, accolade, Syracuse guy. Mark McLaurin, Mississippi State, DB. He played, uh, that was last year's Gator Bowl. Wow, and he had a tremendous game. I'm a little surprised he got voted in. I was a newbie, but um, that's pretty cool that okay. he already got voted on the team. Yeah, uh, Matt Millen, Penn State, and Dominican Sue, Nebraska, Ryan Shazier, Ohio State, and Lawrence Taylor. Played in the Gator Bowl here in did, Jacksonville back in the 35th Gator Bowl from North Carolina.
4: Did Nebraska play Texas? No, that wasn't that. That wasn't the Gator. No, uh,
3: no, in, in Dominican Sioux year. Yeah, that was more recent. Uh no, Nebraska yeah, against Clemson. Yeah, because they're in the same. I'm sorry. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, Clemson. So, and and by the way, uh, Josh Dobbs, who the Jags just signed, sure played in the Gator Bowl a few years back, I believe, when he was with Tennessee. Tennessee. Gotcha. And, and they crushed somebody. Maybe it was Iowa, something like that. Yep. But uh, but anyway. That's that's pretty cool. I mean, think mm-hmm. about the names I just listed that yeah. played. I, and, and I think that's the bottom line is, and, and I know people will say it, and, and we get it a lot anytime time we talk about the Gator Bowl. Uh, it's all what it used to be. It's 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 this, it's that. The attendance is down. That's fine. I get it. It's reality. It's a tough deal in the bowl season. Yeah. Now, the bowl thing is really tough. It's so different. But I also think it should be celebrated, and it's really kind of cool mm-hmm. that all those uh, players – Played in Jacksonville, yeah, and not just when it was like the Gator Bowl, but over the years now seventy-five years strong. So uh, good for the TaxSlayer Gator Bowl, uh, the All Seventy Five team, and uh, we'll talk about that more and celebrate that a little bit more as we get closer to New Year's Day and the seventy-fifth edition of the Gator Bowl. All right, we're going to take a timeout. I promise on the other side. We'll have uh, the, the coach of the week mm-hmm. uh, brought to you by Baker Sports, and you've got to stay in your lane. And a final thought or two as we get ready to head into a Tuesday night here in Jacksonville, Florida. Brent Morton to Austin Lane. Coos, thanks for hanging out with us on ESPN 690. We're talking about how young Tom Brady still looks. Like, he says he doesn't, like, drink coffee, or I think sugar's another one. They really... Yeah, he not, doesn't partake. He's in. very strict in a lot of things. So if you're diet. not drinking coffee and you're not putting sugar in your body, I would. If we all did that, we'd probably look pretty young, and, and yeah. still at in the in our forties. He eats like yeah.
4: sixteen peanuts for a snack. Like, that's his thing. That's what it is? Yeah, he had a book out, and I was reading it. Probably should do almonds more than peanuts, though, right? I feel like almonds are healthier. Macadamia
3: nuts, you have them right now.
4: That's what I'm talking about. I like those. Yeah, but unfortunately, I look like I'm 50 years old, but it is what it is. There's a fine line between (laughs) that,
3: right? I mean, I respect the discipline of that, especially if you're an athlete. Yeah. But at some point, don't you be like... Dude, you're missing out. I mean, those Skittles I had the other and day don't were freaking awesome. <laughs>
6: <laughs> and the coffee
3: in the morning. I mean, come oh, on. And bowl, yeah, I mean, the coffee, yeah, forget about it. But,
4: I mean. Yeah, at the, at the same time, though, Brent, it's all about how you feel,
3: right? Like, I well, mean, it's
4: true. When I'm, when I'm in a fight camp, you know, like, I, I got to keep it pretty clean because if I don't, I eat a lot of sugar and stuff like that, a lot of sweets. Especially after I'm done working out, I'm going to feel a lot more sore than if I don't. So,
3: Oh, oh you feel awful after eating yeah. you know all that stuff. So, so it's
4: true. Tom Brady is just really super in tune with his body, you know, good for him. If you And he's,
3: it's allowed him to play at a high level. There's definitely but, a correlation
4: oh, I will there. say this, though. It also helps to be a millionaire and be able to do that because it costs a lot more to eat healthy than it does to
3: yeah, eat I, like crap. Yeah, but I'll give him this, though. I mean, listen, it, it, it does. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you also are afforded the opportunity to go vacation and, and indulge and, and splurge. And shoot, if I had that kind of money, I'd probably weigh 300. <laughs> you know? I mean yeah. – well, I, you know, I don't know he if I'd discipline. We've seen him chug, so he can he can party if he wants. Yeah, to. party it up. I guess he does drink a little bit, so he doesn't. It's not no sugar in the off season, probably.
4: Yeah, yeah but I don't think beer has sugar. Beer not sugar. Thing? No. Mm-mm. Trust me, I've, I've done some beer research. more like
5: bread? They always oh, say it's like carbs. bread. Yeah, all carbs. the carbs. I'm thinking of carbs. carbs. I'm all the carbs.
4: Yeah, I mean, unless you're drinking... So he like does like have uh, carbs. <laughs> he has carbs, yes. Yes. <laughs> That's what I was carbs thinking. Carbs
3: not going to kill you. All right. Uh, hey, our Baker Sports Coach of the Week. Uh, going to get to it. Robert Shields from Baldwin. How about Baldwin? The Indians... Well, he's a first-year head coach. He's 3 and 0. They beat Westside who was 2 and 0. They played on Monday Night Football last night mm-hmm. and Baldwin gets the win. So Robert Shields is our week 3 coach of the week. Baker Sports uh first-year head coach out there at Baldwin doing a nice job. Uh Baldwin has over the years sneaky good players. Uh, they get kind of forgotten about sometimes way out there on the west side uh, but nice job by Robert Shields uh, and a good start for Baldwin. By the way, our game of the week this week, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 initially it was Lee and Rebalt, but I had to shift it around because of all the hurricane changes Yeah. and we are actually going to have west side at Jackson on Friday night, 6 o'clock game right here on ESPN 690 uh, so we're looking forward to that. Alright, we gotta get to stay in your lane. You get to it right stay now. Stay
4: in your lane real quick, Brent. Yep, thank you Coos. Right on time. No, that's good, man. You're doing your job. I'm not hating on you. But uh, Samuel A. Brentsoe with the NFL season comes NFL season sound bites. And two of them today that I really enjoyed from this past weekend. We got Delaney Walker talking about the Browns, uh, how they might have been a little overhyped, like Mr. Martineau called. And then we got my MVP right now, the dude that's leading my fantasy team, Lamar Jackson, talking about playing the quarterback position
2: we we'll circle this game. We'll be, we, this is just another game. We ain't worried about it. I'm going to tell you again, man. They were who we thought they were. Y'all can crown them if you <laughs> want to crown them. still got to play football.
4: And then Kula sent me with that Lamar Jackson audio real quick. My MVP, dude. Going to take me to another fantasy championship.
2: Probably not. Not bad for a running back. I love
4: it. So when he was asked, you know, uh, the, the, the ability to pass more than – Run the ball obviously he's been known for the past season. Uh that was his response. He's not a runner he's not bad for running back. And the first
3: soundbite you heard was Delaney Walker. Yeah. And that was kind of paying homage to Dennis Green, the the yeah. late head coach, remember? Yep. You want a crowd, I'm crowd you know, that was that whole <laughs> thing. Look him off the hook. Yep.
4: Uh pump your brakes real quick. Brent uh, probably the biggest story after the Super Bowl was the fact that the Saints fans were bitter. They were upset. Well, it happened again last night. The refs made a horrible call um, on a challenge due to a, a spot, basically, of a fourth and one or a first down. Well, they got the call right of where the ball should have been spotted, but unfortunately, they didn't get the clock right. Yeah. It was 41 seconds. Well, the Saints ran it down to 26 seconds, and when they reset the clock after the, the spot thing, it was at 26 seconds instead of 41 seconds. Refs, got to be better, man.
3: Tough to be a ref got to and ready. doing a game for the Saints. Find them, <laughs> Brent. Let's go. Hey, uh, thanks for hanging out with us. We'll get some news on the Jags injuries tomorrow. We'll be down there at Jags headquarters. Plus tonight, check us out on TV, CBS 47 and Fox 30. Have a good one.